1: Constant listeners, and welcome yet again to the Losers Club, a Stephen King podcast from Consequence of Sound. I am your intrepid host, co-host Randall Colburn. Uh, to my left,
2: I am um, Justin Gerber, senior writer, at Consequence of Sound, and I've just been notified that uh, Kathleen Kennedy. Is letting me go from this podcast, so um, we'll see what replacement is going to be. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. You uh, we got some ideas. You kind of gave some guff to
0: Ryan uh, Ryan Johnson today. I just was concerned. I want I love Ryan Johnson a lot. Want to make sure he had been fired yet from Star Wars. I am a little worried about uh, Ryan Johnson's career uh, right now. No, I'm not. My uh, <laughs> my my actual biggest concern is uh, whether or not uh, we're ever going to be uh, directing the Star Wars movie. You know. Well, you know, we'll have to wait and see what happens with Ryan Johnson, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Well. Oh, who are you, by the way? Oh, I'm uh, Michael Rothman. I'm editor in chief of Consequences Sound and um uh, I have actually been in talks to direct uh, the uh <laughs> Dengar uh spinoff that they're gonna be uh, doing in uh twenty twenty tw uh twenty twenty, twenty twenty one. Oh, you don't know Dangar? No, He's- I'm not a fucking Star Wars dork. Yeah. Well, okay. Oh boy. He's the third most <laughs> popular uh, bounty hunter after IG eighty eight. after Boa Fett, IG eighty eight. And
1: who is IG88? I know. I used to like
0: the like the like the pencil head, right? IG88. IG, IG88 is kind of like pencil. He looks like the Tin Man because he, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, I wish Irvin Kershner <laughs> was here to answer of these questions. Yeah. Rest in peace. How can we link Star Wars to Stephen King?
1: Mm. Um. The uh. What's the? I was thinking of that alien. Um. That alien. Uh. uh from. God damn it, the yeah, uh, re- night shift story with the eyes. Oh, yeah. Well, oh, that he comes from or... outer space, and that's where Star Wars takes place. Yeah, that's what I was That's about. Well, that movie. was my whole connection.
0: I'm just trying <laughs> okay. to think
2: of anybody who's ever starred in a Star Wars movie that has been in the Stephen King adaptation. There has to be that's one. That's going to
0: bother me for the next two hours. Well, uh, constant listeners, that's your job <laughs> to tell us who starred in Star Wars and also in a Stephen King adaptation. Billy, I can't think of anyone Billy right D?
1: Now. No. No, nothing. I, don't
0: I don't think so. I
1: mean, I could do like a Six
0: Degrees thing, but that's not fun.
1: No. Uh speaking of fun, we're having fun. Yeah, we are having fun. Let's, we're uh, having a fun
2: time. Let's you know. read
1: let's read some uh Stephen King tweets. Um wait, actually, let's before we I just I should just break things down. Here's what you can expect, constant listeners. We need to be better about that. We need to be better about transparency, about um just making sure that you guys know where we're going so you can rest assured when we start going into Uh, tangents about the dad from ALF that we will correct ourselves and, uh, get on the right path. We're going to start, we're going to talk about some needful tweets, uh, some Stephen King tweets. What's he been up to? What is he talking about? Uh, spoiler alert. A lot of it was about Donald Trump. You may have heard of him. Um... (laughs) And then we're gonna talk uh, about some news in the King world we got some updates uh, on film TV pro- projects maybe a book update or two I can't remember um, and then okay no and <laughs> and then uh, and then we're gonna talk about uh, the mist uh, you may have seen it it uh, just debuted and um, We've been sitting on it for a couple weeks now after watching the first episode and, you know, forming our thoughts. So we're going to share our thoughts on the mist and then we're going to answer some of your questions and then we're going to wrap it up. And so that's the plan. So, uh, but yeah, let's talk about tweets, baby. He's not a human being. No! Don't you see what he's done? I'll kill them
0: all. It's God. Sort them out. Well, we've got a few of them. Do you want to, like, exchange these? I always feel like I'm the only one
2: doing it. I'm like, well, like it Larry King me. over well, here. Uh, we can exchange some of them, I guess, and we can all comment on them as we're going to do anyway. So go ahead. I'll, I'll go second, I guess.
0: Well, on June 8th, King tweeted, After listening to Comey today, that's uh, James Comey, our uh, lord and savior, mm. and Trump for the oh, last God, four and a half months, uh, I have a clear opinion on which one is the actual, quote, nut job. Now, that was a reference to a, um, Should be, like, explain all these. You know, I. I, I got nothing on these. No. I, this is such a disappointment at this point. I can't even. It's like, I can't, even, like, I can't even find this. the humor in this anymore. It's just, no. yeah, sure, okay.
1: Yeah. yeah, Trump is bad. We get it. Yeah, we, yeah. Well,
0: think, speaking of that, <laughs> you know, speaking of which, we got more. Um, on June 9th, the next day, uh, King tweeted basically what we're all thinking Can we have Obama back, please? Now, there was a rule that was put in place a long time ago
2: around the time of FDR. You can't have more than two terms now.
0: Well, it was, so we I don't know have if it back. was around FDR. I think it was a little bit before that. Well, FDR was, served three terms. He, no, he only did because of the, the, the war. Well, still, I'm saying is we haven't. This is not going to happen. again. It happened around with like Washington, I think. <laughs> when, yeah, but when, well, I'm saying it's not going to happen again. Yeah, well, it's not going to happen, unfortunately. If we had gone into World War III before Trump, you know, got elected, maybe.
2: Hey,
1: I don't know. Who knows? Um, I don't make the rules anymore. We'll never know unless we get Greg Stilson. That, that'll be fun. Here's a, a change of pace. Yeah. Not the best Ramones song, but the best Ramones title, Every Time I Eat Vegetables, I Think of You. Well, that was two days later, and I think that's a nice little approach. He's back. A, it shows that he has a range of emotions. He's a human being. He's a big Ramones <laughs> fan, he likes to talk about the Trumps. The whole point of this podcast is to humanize Stephen King. Yeah, <laughs> because he doesn't do that enough by himself when in his own books. Well, I, what's
2: your favorite Ramones title off the top of your head? Sheena uh, is a punk rocker. For me, it's um, the KKK took my baby away. Ooh, I like That's that the most song. jarring title. Yeah, <laughs> I don't approve of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most jarring one.
1: I don't yeah. listen to the devil's music. <laughs> the devil's <laughs> oh. music. Sounds like a good Stephen King title. And he said, uh, and speaking of the Ramones, this was on the same day, uh, he posted a song by Amy Rigby called Dancing with Joey Ramone. You know, I don't really need him to give him these
0: cosigns about these young bands that we've never heard of. Like We've been writing about music
2: it. for years.
0: Yeah, we don't need it, King. <laughs> no, please. More no, actually, we like it. Actually, we really yeah. love it, and we want to know what your record collection is. If you can give us
1: our top five records that you would have... On they're, a desert island. They're probably all like Jerry Lee Lewis records or whatever.
0: Yeah, they probably are. You say my Maybe he, a, he likes a real deep Elvis Costello
2: album.
1: Wasn't Jerry Lee Lewis like a pedophile?
2: Uh, he I married have. his 15-year-old cousin or
0: something like he that? He did.
1: He was kind of like Edgar Allan Poe. Oh, so it was all wrapped into one thing. Yeah. The,
0: it was a double negative, so I think that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. Jerry Lee Lewis, Great Balls of Fire. Hey, you know, who, uh, trivia question. Who played Jerry Lee Lewis in the movie? Dennis Quaid. Yep. And Dennis? Who plays wife? Meg Ryan. Winona Ryder. Oh, Winona Ryder. Wait, Winona Ryder is in Great Balls of Fire?
1: Man, that thing was- not she like 15? Yeah, she's- Exactly. Oh, <laughs> well, there we go. We come full circle. And that's a wrap on Jerry Lee Lewis. <laughs> yep. Uh, what did he tweet on uh, the
0: June 12th? Oh, well, guess what? He's back to the Trump tank.
1: Oh, no. He said, if
0: Ivanka Trump, which is the daughter that Trump loves- had grown up in farm country, like some of us, she'd know her father is reaping exactly what he sowed. Now, this is something that drives me nuts, mm. is that she tries to play the liberal side, mm-hmm. and it doesn't work at all. I mean, everyone sees right through her. It's, I get that she's probably upset because, for all we know, she probably does lean a little bit more liberal than her fucking father, who used to be a liberal. And so she has to kind of play this game. But guess what? Sorry. That's, that's, that's the deal you're, you know. I agree. I'm more
2: concerned giving. with like the unoriginal uh, reaping of what you sow line that, tw- that King chose to go with. <laughs> yeah.
1: That's <laughs> so, I'm on, most try. concerned. I, I
2: agree with the sentiment, but I don't agree with the delivery.
1: I kind of like the uh, image of farm girl Ivanka Trump. Hubba, hubba.
0: Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. We, well. let's. let's uh, oh, well, no. Well, no. Well, uh, well the good news <laughs> is that uh, King was out promoting uh, another one of his properties. And on the 13th, he uh, tweeted, The Miss TV series premieres on Spike, June 22nd. You might want to mark it on your calendar. It's really good. Well, you'll hear more about whether or not that's a um, bit of a hashtag fake news <laughs> later on yeah. in the episode. But we should move on from that. Yeah. I think you should tackle this one. What do we have here? We got some big news. This is this okay, is this hands is... down the most important Trump tank tweet or series of tweets, actually, that we've ever had on the Losers Club. Yeah, so this was the tweet that finally put our president over the edge.
2: King writes, on June 13th, Trump's cabinet offers a postgraduate level course in ass kissing. This after Trump had everybody around him It's like his say how worst, great it was.
1: It's like one of his worst Trump tweets. And I know. That's yeah. what gets him blocked. Do well, you the, think that's what really got him
2: blocked or do you think he was just like, I'm done? I think it was the Ivanka one from the day before that probably really got... Under I uh, Trump so. I, I don't even know how Trump operates. None of us really do. But that set it off, and guess what happened? That same day, King wrote, "Trump has blocked me from reading his tweets. I may have to kill myself." Which is that last line? <laughs> oh my great. god! That is
0: that I, had me in stitches. Yeah, they, but I have
1: to say, it is insane how many retweets and comments. Like it got three hundred and thirteen thousand likes uh, or favorites. 88,000 retweets and 13,700 replies. Can you imagine what a wasteland it must be in those replies? Oh, yeah. I mean,
0: it's 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 also kind of open provoking It opened up Pandora's box for Trump because it really showed some transparency that he's actually blocking everyone. He's
2: been doing it a lot recently. I know it's being discussed um, as to whether or not he can... Legally do that somehow because it's yeah. Uh, well, so I'm sure we'll hear more about that in the next couple days. Well,
0: I think he can't do it with the POTUS. Um, oh, but I think he does it is. on his own personal account. He seems like a really level-headed guy. so yeah, I'm not you know, surprised. That's, either way, going the on. fact that it's even a discussion exactly fucking ridiculous.
2: But, I, but then there were some uh, responses in the uh, celebrity community, c- including fellow writers. Right, Mike, you have that
0: tweet. Oh well, yeah, uh, J.K. I mean, Rowling. uh J.K. Rowling on the same day. Uh, came in and she said, uh, "I still have access. I'll DM, I'll DM, d- DM them to you," which is pretty much all she did. Oh. <laughs> she also said something about later on about
2: misery, but I don't know if we've got that one. And then um, <laughs> she she reads Stephen King. That's great.
0: And then Colbert said something too, right? Yeah, I actually loved uh, Colbert's re- reply. It was great. <laughs> He goes. Stephen King has been blocked by tr- Trump on Twitter. I guess his book about a scary clown hit too close to home. <gasps> Ooh, that hey, is that's a nice little sick burn. And right
1: Trump, there. Was, uh, Trump was Trump uh, was uh, it took it took him a while to get over it because he he uh, started questioning whether or not he had really been blocked. He was like, "Have others received a notification of being blocked from Trump's tweets, or is it a hoax? It's not as if his tweets are hard to find."
0: Yeah, and then on the same day he's like blocked, condemned to an existential wasteland of trumplessness. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. But I, I think it's kind of interesting. And just I think he saw those hundreds of thousands of retweets he was getting in and was like, let me go ahead and keep going here. Yeah, I I just think you Gotta build that uh social media brand. Well, I mean he it clearly bothered King. Yeah. You know, because like two days later he goes blocked by Donald Trump, but still I persist. It's just yeah. I mean it's, it's at, it seems like I kind of wish he just dropped it at that yeah. point, you know. But he kind of has, I think,
2: um, um, and re- recently, though. I don't think he was really talked about too much. He talked about it one more time. Here come, near, we're near the end of the Trump tweets, I promise. It's uh, June 15th. Trump, as president's like an impulsive, hot-headed 15-year-old with an 18-wheeler trucker's license.
0: What? Well, yeah. you know, these are getting a little... Uh, it's like we'll we get it. It's like we'll it's just like move on. I mean, we, we all hate him. There's nothing you could do. Now you can't really even tweet at him anymore. So,
1: now there's actually there's actually a brand new tweet. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, he and it's not about Trump. Uh, he it's a it's an extremely uh, cool dad tweet. Um, yeah. Barbie's BFF Ken now comes with a man bun or cornrows. You go with your bad self, Kenny.
2: I I don't have any Barbie dolls, so I don't know uh, anything about that. Yeah, truth. I actually had a Barbie doll growing up. I had a Brutus the beefcake, I had um, doll. Yeah, I had
0: that. And I almost cut off my finger when I tried to cut off his head.
2: <laughs> so <laughs> I was uh, I'm perfect
0: for this podcast, I guess. Well. I was a huge action figure aficionado, and I still am actually. But there's something about the Mattel line of Barbies that I got jealous over that because the accessories are great, the um, the detail, the level of detail on those accessories are great. So I would watch my cousins have them as a kid, and I would actually like want some of the play sets and I'd want these things to just have with my other figures, because I had like, you know, like a Fonzie doll and all this other stuff. And I remember, my, I think my dad was probably like, What the hell is he doing? Like, why does he have like
1: all these Barbie? I think I even got like a Barbie ice cream maker when I was little. Yeah. Anyway. Um, um, we just lost but- so many listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, and he's also tweeting about how much he likes House of Cards. That's good. Have, has anyone here? Been uh, how much he
2: doesn't like House of Cards at this point, though, actually.
1: Oh, wait. Oh, my bad. I just like my eyes glazed over as they do whenever I see anything about House of Cards. Uh, somebody tweeted, four episodes into the new season of House of Cards, I'm starting to grow weary of the lengths the Underwoods will go to to stay in the White House. And King said, I'm with you. So that's the end of that. End of that. <laughs> well, let's move on to some Hollywood King. <laughs>
2: There's a town on the coast of Del Sol, always find my way
1: there.
0: There's a place that
1: So, uh, gaming website IGN has been a big uh, producer of King's Dark Tower news as of late. Uh, they ran an interview with him previously, and now they've done an interview. It was a video interview with the director of the Dark Tower. What's his name again, Justin? Nicolas Arcel. Okay. And uh, you watched it. Yeah, Mike. I think did you watch it too? Yeah, I watched it too. I watched it on the train because I was actually a little excited.
0: I was like, "Wow, there's some promotion for the Dark Tower that comes out in five fucking weeks." Like, you'd (laughs) think that there'd be something else, but hey, you know, let's do some uh, commercials on a video game network. Because I got to say, when when I think of Stephen King, I think of all the amazing video games that have come out from (laughs) his works a fucking break. Hey, we have a question about to... that later. Oh, really? Yeah, really. We'll, oh, we'll get to that later on. Okay. But
2: yeah, the, it's just the same old stuff we've been hearing for the last, what, almost a year now? Yeah. Um, yes, this is a sequel to the books. Um, as we know, we, the Horn of L promotion that has been going on. If you've read the books, you know, it's a sequel to the books. Or it's kind of a – it's hard to explain it. If you read the books, you know what I'm talking about. And then he talked a little bit about if there's a series, it would cover Wizards in Glass. And – he talks about how Eddie and Susanna are not in this. He's, this is just all stuff that we've known
0: yeah. for the entire year. It's given material. It's crazy. Like, it, it's, well, let's be fair. Let's let's think about this, you know, rationally. You have a film that, by all means, hasn't been promoted at all in the past year, really. I mean, there was a the push last year before all the reshoots and whatever and the delays. But even now, it's just been this almost like con- contractually obligated sort of promotion between, especially between like Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey, who still haven't done anything. Um, So I have to imagine that, especially since so much of this is supposed to be like a franchise starter and it already seems to be on this dour note that it's starting on, that if you're the director of this film, like, I mean, how... Are you are really going to be? And also, what are you going to talk about? I mean,
2: I mean, I believe that he's a big fan of, of the series before. I mean, when he got the job, he said he kind of learned how to read English in order to just to read all the dark tower books. I don't, I don't, you know, discount him in that regard. I don't discount him at all. Really. I just think that the material that he was given was not strong. No. I'm not talking about King's material. I'm talking about, uh, what's the name again? Uh, Randall, Hollywood, Hack, Hollywood hack, Akiva Goldsman, Batman <laughs> yeah. right there. And, he did with it what he could, and listen again. It, this is not a Fury Road situation. I'm almost confident where you get like these big delays for years, and it finally comes out. What do you think at this point? We were we're like a, less than two months away. What what is oh, going to no, happen no, with no, this Not movie? even
1: less than two months. A away. week and we are are, a month I'm and a half.
0: Pretty much a month now at this uh, point.
1: I'd like to say that Justin vowed in an early episode of Needful Tweets to I did. never say a bad word, and that's about why Jeff I asked Power. you
2: two the question. What do you think? <laughs>
1: Well, I think that our hopes are pretty low, but I'll say this much: at least it's being marketed as a sequel to the series, so we can't say necessarily that they fucked up the books like in adapting it. At least it exposed to it's supposed to exist after the events of the books.
0: Yeah, but at the same time, that seems like such a crutch to lean on. now. I, I, mean, I agree. It used but... to be such a compelling thing. Like we were all like, "This is awesome! Yeah. Like this is great!" But now, like I feel. That's I mean it, when you go on Reddit for Stephen King, it's that's literally the exa- like the ex- excuse that everyone's been giving. And so it's like well you know it is a sequel at this point, which is a fair that's a you know it's a fair argument. But it, it, all the excitement of that idea of being a sequel has just felt more like this deflated excuse that I don't know. I mean I'm tr- I'm still kind of excited that it's going to be somewhat decent, but I know we were talking about this the other day. You, you were hoping that it's it's a major. Disappointment. Yeah, I,
2: I don't wanna see some like middling middle of the row movie. I want this to be either the greatest thing of all time or just something that we'll never forget because it's absolutely terrible. Well
0: I can make the assumption now that it's not
1: gonna be the greatest thing of all time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm willing to bet my uh to brash of you I mean at most I'm hoping that it will be that I think like in terms of it being good, that it's good enough to warrant a sequel. And maybe then things can start to, you know, not every franchise is amazing in its first outing. I mean, maybe this could be, I mean, as long as it's good enough to warrant a sequel and that it seems like they're telling an interesting story and we just haven't really, you know, because the trailers are really playing up the action. And I mean, I don't know. Who knows? I mean, maybe the second movie, if they get there, you know, it could be really great.
0: Could be.
2: I got to check the Vegas odds on there being a sequel to this movie. Because I would love to lay some money down. Wait,
0: you think there are some Vegas odds for? This? There's
2: Vegas odds on everything. Yeah, really? I bet you there's gotta yeah, be something out there, like, especially around the time this. I would say maybe within the week this comes out. Check your your odds in Vegas. Yeah, because there has to be like box office odds. Absolutely, nonstop. It'll be box
1: office franchise opportunities and everything else. And I would. And that's often a, an easy way, especially like it's always. In like industry insiders who are contributing to those conversations to the bookmakers and everything like if you ever want to know like who's going to win a pro wrestling match like since it's all scripted um, uh, those the most accurate guesses that you'll ever see are always. Um, in the Vegas pool mm. because, uh, you know, leaks. They're, they're getting leaks and everything. Although a lot of times things change last minute. Anyways, should we move on from Dark Tower? Yeah, I think we should move on because it's going to get real dark. Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of dark, um, to, uh, it was recently the 18 year anniversary of the car accident that almost killed our Dreamweaver.
2: Yeah, so I guess it was June 1999 when, like you said, Randall King almost died. And I remember 18 years ago, Look, we didn't have news on our phones back then. Let me get an old, old man on the hill real quick here. I mean, the only way I could really access this was going on my real slow America Online or whatever the hell I was using back in 1999. 2.7. Two point Oh, God. I can't, I can't hear the dial up right now. Yeah. But I remember the way that the news was dispersed, it sounded pretty grave. It sounded like he was on his deathbed. Yeah. And so I had a couple days of pretty much coming to the terms that he was going to die. And it's crazy to think that half of my life has gone by since then and he's still alive and he's still, you know, vibrant. He's still out there doing his thing. So it it was I I remember that being a very strange period of a couple of days, if not even longer than that. I felt like an eternity when it just looked like he was not going to come out of this injury, you know.
0: But I think in the end, like it was a positive thing. You know, I know that's going to sound twisted and morbid. But hey, this is the Stephen P. King podcast. Everything's twisted and morbid. But if you really think <laughs> about it, I mean, it, it was, it, 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 there was a, you know, it, it, there was a huge creative spurt that came out of this. And I think he would even admit that. I mean, he's, how many stories? I mean, I know Duma Key.
2: A lot of stories have
0: it. just referenced the accident. I mean, obviously, the Dark,
2: the dark, dark Tower, Tower does. yeah, spoiler that. alert. Um, it basically
1: helped him. Figure out how to end it in a lot of yeah, ways, you yeah, know.
2: and and to accelerate at that point too. Uh, Lise's story has a lot of references to accidents in that nature and, and the relationships between people who get in accidents and. Uh,
1: dream the list catcher, goes on. Dreamcatcher well, catches all the darkness because that was the first thing he wrote. That really? was well, yeah. yeah. Well, what true. would
0: be the last book if he had died then, though? Mm. Oh God, Ugh, I need to was pull, it the pull up Green Green biography. No, I mean no, maybe was...
1: it was Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon or. Hearts in Atlantis or Bag of Bones? Not Bag of Bones. Bag of Bones,
2: I think. Was that right after that? See, we don't have the bibliography up right now. But uh, I
0: know Bag of Bones was around that period. So So it probably would have been a book in 98 or 97, I would imagine. Yeah, definitely. Because, I mean, hmm. yeah. I mean, because that's that's interesting to to think of. Because I I know that he had a lot of books in storage, obviously, that he's published since then. Uh, And he clearly had ideas for 1122 and Under the Dome at that point. But I don't think anything was even close to a manuscript at that point. But... Um, it 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 it's I can't imagine because I didn't I wasn't a reader of The Dark Tower Mm -hmm. at that point. So if you're thinking about it as from just a strictly a fan's perspective on just stories that would go untold or unfinished, I mean that's that's also kind of like you know sad to think too. I mean if you know with the exception of actually losing human life because that's awful and you know these are givens these are inherent truths. You know we would be beside ourselves um, if that actually did happen, but. Could you imagine if, like, the... I mean, I, I want to say Wizard and Glass wasn't even a book yet, I
1: don't
2: think. No, that had come out.
0: That
1: had come yeah, out Yeah, that had right? come out. It looks like it was Hearts in Atlantis. Which um, uh, there's a great collection of... Yeah, and The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon were kind of the... Those came out the same year, both 99. And, uh, um, yeah, those were the two biggest published works, like, uh, the year that he passed.
0: So, Wolves of the Coward For hadn't moment. even come out yet. No, because no. 5, 6, and 7 came out pretty quick yeah. in a row. I know 6 and 7 came out really quick. Like They're I were all, gotta, like... Within two years It was over Yeah man so. That's crazy Well crazy stuff but I wonder Again he, thank God he's still alive What can I say I wonder if the Dark Tower movie uh, Includes the uh, accident in it That's You know
1: <laughs> I, I, Let's check those Vegas odds To see if we're ever gonna see That storyline yeah. come to fruition <laughs> You know um, In some other In some other good news uh, <laughs> It turns out It The movie that is coming out That is getting lots of hype Oh yeah And I'm <laughs> lots loving Lots of I am loving it too I can't wait uh is going to be rated R. Finally. Which is very good. Which we had been speculating on the podcast yeah, previously. because
2: there were some questions about that, and yeah. I'm, for one, look, I'm not some bloodthirsty hound. I'm not a bloodhound. But uh, hey, come on, let's let's
0: make it R, you know? Let's go. I know? want a hard R. I want a hard R because I want the tables to be, you know. The stakes. The stakes yeah. to be as much, you know. I, I It doesn't have to be gory. It doesn't have to be crazy, but I want the possibility. Yeah. And if it's R, it can be. You know, if it's PG 13, there's a lot of limitations. Let's look, agree. look no further than live free or die hard. <laughs> the die, or, uh, that's die hard 4.0 for all you UK yeah. listeners out yeah. there. <laughs> did they really call it die hard? 4.0? Yeah, I think
2: everywhere but here it was called uh, die hard 4.0, which makes sense because of the whole internet aspect to it. Yeah, what did you prefer? Um, I preferred it not to exist.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was good. <laughs> That's good. Um, let's move on. Speaking of it, uh, there's going to be a Pennywise motion statue. Um, what details do you dorks have on this?
2: It's not like it's a like an eight foot statue or something. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I think it's a little model for your desk, I believe. But um, do I want it in my like my apartment? Absolutely not. Fun fact though, I did have once the so Wes Craven's New Nightmare came out. I had from the video store, they had like a big stand, like a full, like a six foot oh, stand of cool. Freddy Krueger, you know, and said, I totally nightmare. remember that. I, I was able to take that home um, when they were done using it. So I had that in my bedroom, <laughs> <And then laughs> staring like, at me every night. And you're like, what guess what do I
1: do with this? No
0: nightmares. Well, the no majority nightmares. of the people on, or the majority of the members here on the Losers Club worked at Blockbuster. Mm-hmm. You know, you did. Well, oh, this was before I worked at any video. This is just a, my local video store. I was never allowed to work at Blockbuster. Ooh. Yeah. Why? I think they just knew that I was too much of a, a fan. I came in all the time, and I don't know why. I, I if anything, why, why wouldn't they hire you for that? <laughs> I, I don't know. I, 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 I tried to become uh, an employee for, for years, and it just never happened. I, they, remember that like computer system that you had to fill out the application yeah, for? Yeah, also? yeah, it, was yeah. it was a nightmare.
1: Hey, hey, like, hey a new here. nightmare. I remember I went in to apply once, uh, and they asked me, they go, we're looking for nights and weekends, and I go, I go, ah, I can't do that. But I still filled out the application. Oh, really? Like, and I was thinking that they were going to hire me, but I like just, and I had no re- good reason to not work nights and weekends. Hey, but, but you're, you're a cool kid back in high school. So you know. <laughs> cool I'm like Randy. looking you're back like, on it. Like cool ranch, why, Randy. Why did I waste my time f- f- filling that out? You, you, <laughs>
0: did you like hop on a motorcycle and be like, did you fill out the application and then leave and tear it up and throw it down? <laughs> well, I, I, to go back to this original story, um, I actually want more merchandise like of Stephen King like this. You know, I think that, you know, for a long time there was, I don't know if you remember movie maniacs, like Todd McFarlane used to make. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Hmm? The best thing he ever did. It was, it was the best thing he ever did. Um, and every year there would be like a new lineup. It was almost like festival lineups. They would just be like, well, here are the five or six figures that we got licenses to. And then finally got really lazy and you just get two licenses and then, you know, make multiple figures from those as a, you know as opposed to getting like six or seven licenses and having singular figures based on those. But, you know, well, you don't hold any grudges. <laughs> you I don't hold any grudges You're at fine. all. You've, you've thought about you this. Know, it, it's, it's interesting <laughs> because I don't think I would have had this job at Consequences Sound if it wasn't for the Movie Maniacs line because I got into message boards because of it. Oh, interesting. And so, yeah, it's interesting. So I, I, I loved I, I mean, it was literally every day. We would come in and talk about different action figures we would want. And on the wish list always was Jack Torrance. You know, I don't know if it's because, like, Jack Nicholson, which this is another episode we're going to talk about. Jack, love Jack. Life's been good to me. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I don't I don't know if it's uh, it was like a likeness thing for him because I know a lot of uh, actors and actresses are against, uh, you know, having like action figures. They think it's kind of weird or odd or especially if it's like for a role that's dark. But man, like the, the request for Jack Torrance was so high that you would have custom figure makers that would actually there was one. I remember that I'll try to find it and see if I can post it on the socials, but it was so good and it was like him like slouched down and like turned around and mm. it looked just like Jack Nicholson and I th- was he was wearing awesome. sunglasses he was wearing sunglasses <laughs> and a, he had a little Lakers cap on and uh, he was holding a sign that said uh you know uh hey Brooke Lopez you're my favorite uh no 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 um yeah.
2: topical
0: yeah topical Lakers you yeah I'm, I'm keeping it topical for the Lakers uh, but I I really do would I, I mean I would love it if NECA or NECA um, or any of the actual, you know, figure collectors, um, or even like hot toys, or something would make like a king line. It doesn't even have to be based on like the the movies. It could be like you know drawn from the books. It just would be so awesome because you know i may i don't really want a like a pennywise figure i just think that's it's too cliche to have like an evil clown near it, it just that doesn't do anything for me and it's probably going to be more of like the pop figure line by funko which i'm not really i mean, i like those those funko funko figures but i'm not really i don't really want those for the king i would really love it if we had like you know some more of the merchandise from that like it would be cool to get a jack torrance it would be awesome to get like you know maybe like a model of the the marston house or something like that it's just just more of that and and you know he's a popular enough author to be able to do that so I don't know. I'm just a merchandise whore, so I would I would Love it if, if I can get some of that.
2: Well, it'd be cool if Todd McFarlane would kind of go back to doing that because he's, yeah. he's been spending 20 years lying to his fans about Spawn Reboot. So,
0: Well, he's busy actually making a lot of the sports figures, which I have bought like multiple. Oh, has he been doing that? Yeah, it he still does that. Okay, them. then you know, I, so take, I, get, I take back that insult kind of. Because I bought, <laughs> I bought all my fans for 20
1: years. I have like Dwayne Wade from it. I have Chris Bosh. I have LeBron. It's great. Listeners, if you have any Stephen King uh, figures, action figures, um, anything like that, uh, take a photo and send it to us. We'd love to see it. Uh, there's probably some out there that we don't know about, um, even though Mike's a dork who collects baby toys. I have a lot of baby toys, and I just bought a recent uh, four-pack
0: for uh, Twin Peaks from from uh, Funko. It was awesome. Was that the one with Leland Palmer? It uh, No, I have a, a, another Leland Palmer pop figure. I have Leland Palmer. I have Laura Palmer, which is hands down one of the best Funko pop figures I've ever seen. Um, and then I also have the Dale Cooper one.
1: Nice. Yeah. There's
2: something I, I, I wanted to do. I tried to follow up on this. I could not find anything online, but somebody did message us. Some Funko toys And it looked like It was from the new It movie Oh really I, I, and there, I would, would not ben, be There was Ben Hanscom Pennywise Some others but I could not find anything online, so I don't know if th- maybe this person found something uh, like at a upcoming fo- like well, a, a convention that was going to present it or it was a a model awaiting approval.
1: It's probably, it, lo- it
2: looked legitimate. It lo- it is legitimate. It is legitimate. It, it legitimate. looked legitimate, but I didn't want to make this a big news story. If I, it was just a. I'm it, pretty it sure it's out. probably
0: going to be announced at like the Comic Con, yeah. and I, I don't know if Comic Con's actually happened. I think it's coming soon. Um, it might be next month, but. Because Funko just announced, like, one of the ex- ex- exclusives there, which well, would be, like, E3, Dale Cooper. And, didn't
1: um, E3 just happen? I think E3 just so happened. Maybe that's, what more like video they game, though. though, isn't it? Or Um, no, I, I, can't think remember. I think it's all things nerdy. Ooh, well, um, I love nerdy. Well, nerd listener, stuff. if you're the one who sent us that, uh, please, um... Either like just reiterate whatever you probably sent in your first message that we're not recalling right now. Yeah,
2: there's just a picture. If well, you know, we'll, we'll go and post a picture anyway. Yeah, and see if anybody says anything.
0: I mean, it would that. make sense. They did the whole Stranger Things one and I, I bought a it. Bunch would make, of those. I mean, it looked real, like yeah. I I think it probably is. I mean, it, they've they already did a Pennywise one from it was like it was supposed to be adapted from I think I don't know what it was actually. The logo looked like it was from the book, but so does the one from the miniseries. So I don't know if it was based on that. It doesn't look like Tim Curry or anything. Yeah, so.
2: I mean, the one I saw it, it looks a little more like the post that we're seeing now as opposed to the kind of the block lettering yeah. of it from the from the 90s oh, okay. uh, TV miniseries. So again, that we'll, makes we'll sense. check out that later.
1: Makes total sense. Cool. So now we're going to just take a moment to discuss the Mist pilot. This is, as you know, an adaptation of the um, uh, video game from the <laughs> mid-90s that we all played on yeah. our computers, the FMV game. Just kidding. It's an adaptation of the novella that you can find in Skeleton Crew by Stephen King. Do not
0: fear. I woke up in the mountains and couldn't even remember my name.
2: Lock the doors!
0: What was it? What'd you see? We can't stay here. We gotta go now. i believe this is judgment day
1: your god not here
2: arrowhead arrowhead do you
0: copy i felt something what do you feel that it knew me
1: did you hear something that's what it does
2: it screws with your mind
1: Now, Mother Nature's had enough. There's something in the mist. So, the pilot's been out for a few days now. We got a screener uh, a couple weeks ago, so we've taken some time to watch it. I have not, but I've prepared a list of questions for Mike and Justin who have seen it. Um, and We I'm have just not gonna, seen these questions. Yeah, so we I'm just going to try to, um, you know, just get a sense of why I should watch it. And, uh, well, as an interested viewer, because I am interested. I'm, 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 You know, I love Stephen King. I want to see what's going on. So, so boys, uh, how would you say the missed TV series, which is on Spike... Um, How would you say it aligns with Stephen King's novella? Is it faithful to King's story? Um,
2: Yes. Um, There is a mist. (laughs) And there's a a character named Mrs. Carmody. Yeah.
0: There is military. There there is military. And it's the
1: same base. Yeah, that's true. But we're seeing the base in the show? No. Oh, okay. Well, not yet. Who knows? Um, No, we're never going to see it. Yeah, probably not. Um...
0: Nice question. <laughs> yeah. No, it, 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 it's in the sense that there is a mist that comes over a town, and there is, there is a military, and there are people that are going to die from the mist. It is very faithful in that sense. Yes. So
1: have we, in the first episode, do we see what's within the mist? We don't see what's within, but we see what happens to people who, who go, go into, into the it. mist. Okay. Yeah, and there's this really... Not good, huh? there's,
0: Yeah, there's this really fun uh, scene where a guy's taking selfies with the mist because it's funny. You know, like selfies. Everyone's doing selfies these days. Uh. And, you know, this like... You know, he's the— Capture that millennial market. He's the quote-unquote fat slob. So, uh, you know, we see this well, a lot that happens, you know, in the Jurassic go, world. I, I'm
2: and not, this will be a tangent because this actually does pertain to the mist, right? I want to jump into your questions. But I, it's sad that we've gotten the point now— I remember in high school we had a, like a fog machine mm-hmm. that we would use a lot, smoke machine. Yeah. It's gotten the point now where people are taking such shortcuts where most of the mist that you see in this it's CG. is CGI. Yeah, You can't just have people
0: running around in a fog machine mist. I, I mean, I get it. When you're, so, I get it yeah. when you're doing like wide sweeping shots and you see like the, yeah. you know this whole town. It's that's gonna be hard to do the whole town. But when you see people inside of it, yeah, it's it, so especially obvious like inside lazy. a house or like a, you know or, or like near the mall or whatever, it makes no sense and. You know, I don't want to go off too much because we have uh, some well, other questions. I'll but. just say
1: how. So, okay, so it sounds like the central concept is mm-hmm. similar, but how does it differ story wise? Because in Stephen King's novella, um, a band of survivors end up in a supermarket, and there's a lot of um, you know uh, internal politics that play out within the supermarket, and it's a very contained story. So, um, how does the show differ? Well, it's not contained story. Okay. Um, it's contained in the sense that
0: it's uh, a little bit like Under the Dome, that where the mm-hmm. whole town is basically involved, and we knew this because you know christian Torp had had said for weeks and weeks and actually months at this point that he was expanding the story that made sense because you know we can't just be in a grocery store yeah, for no a whole problem series i don't this, have a problem so. with that the problem i have is uh when you make a believable stories uh b believable characters and c believable stakes and mm. the, the the he's there's so much that's smushed together in this one pilot because first off I don't know if there's this like incessant need to get the mist to cover the town as soon as possible because here's the problem with this setup you need the the mist is going to linger and it's not going to go away so if you're going to set up like backstories for these characters you need to you do you're going to have to rush it because you want to have the mist that appears in the first episode but you know that doesn't really make for good characterization. So, yeah, I was
1: going to say like you want to see what people are like before when there's not a killer mist over exactly, their town. <laughs> like, and
0: he tries to well, do that. Yeah, but it's so there's so many things going on, and and not not only are there so many things going on, there's so many like hefty, weighty like things that are going on. I mean, there's like abuse, there's like uh, oh, yeah. a, a potential or a t- potential sexual assault that's involved with like the the high school teens. There's um There's this weird uh, religious... Thing that's going on with um the Francis Conroy uh, Francis from Conroy, uh, Six Feet Under that, which I understand that they're trying to you know ma- set her up for what's going to happen when everyone gets trapped and all, but it it is the most manic storytelling I've seen in a pilot in years. And you, you know what? I've been prepping for the Dead Zone thing, and I just watched the pilot for that. And the pilot for the Dead Zone makes it makes <laughs> this this <laughs> the pilot for the Mist makes the pilot for the Dead Zone look like an episode of Mad Men by comparison. Wow, wow. it is insane, and it's just like. I, I just think, first off, there's, there, I mean, there's a variety of problem, problems that we're going to get into, but it doesn't help when really, and I'm, and I'm not, I'm really not trying to be like too negative here, but I'm really going to be negative because that's my honest thoughts is that nothing really works in this. I really don't think anything works. Like the, the, the acting is really bad. There isn't even like a really compelling performance that I was like, oh, I want to kind of stick around, which under the dome had, they had at least two or three characters that I was like, Oh, okay. I, I'd be interested to follow what's going on there. But there isn't a likable character in this entire setup and there isn't even, um, the, the, the acting just seems so subpar. I mean, it's just like, it's, I'm just surprised they couldn't get anyone to attach this. It's a Stephen King. And I understand it's spike that it's not, they're not known for all, a lot of like dramatic like serials, but I mean, come on, this is, it's pretty bad. This is the problem now when you've got hundreds
2: of scripted shows in in production is the bench is thin. Yeah. And, there's only so many, you know, shows that a person can do. I mean, you still you got like, for instance, Carrie Coon was able to do Fargo and The Leftovers around the same time. Yeah, but I mean, the the actors in this, I I I've seen a lot of shows and a lot of movies over the years. I didn't recognize, but maybe two people. Yeah, I recognize the the hey. the, the guy. One of the guys is was in.
1: You're veering in on War my Walking Fire. Oh, oh, well, here we go. All right, all right. Uh, how's the acting? <laughs> Well, are there are, there are there are any stars in the making? No, that's what, I mean, the, the closest it's is so Fritz bad, Sky. and she's already a star, you know and what she's mean? not and, even
0: that great in this. And
2: it, the best way to describe the characters is that this we have reached like with these characters. This is like the peak stereotype you can have from yes. literally every one of yes. these characters. Whether it's the the gothic kid, the, that, the, that, the queer the queer kid, yeah, the um, the, the alpha male cop. The 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 homophobic jock, yep. the date rapist jock, the the young girl the young girl doesn't listen to her parents. The the I, I can go on and yeah. on. It's it's so bad, and it's all like you said, like it's so smushed together. Like most of these storylines would have been introduced episodes later, yes. you know, as opposed to being shoved down your throat within thirty five minutes. And now the mist is here, and we're all stuck together. It's yeah. just it's. It's weak. It's and weak. bad. You know bad it's storytelling. Like the,
1: the reason Lost, I think, worked so well in its early seasons was like. Because they were on the island, so we knew what the stakes were. But then we would have these flashbacks where they was pre-plane or pre-island and you'd really get a chance to get to know who they are. And I almost feel like The Mist could have benefited from that. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, definitely. Have, you know, like have the event happen, but then, you know, take some time each episode to kind of look into the backstory of these characters and why they matter and what they're what they're bringing into this story. Well,
0: it's just interesting because, all right, so this was like about 45, 50 minutes The Mist by Frank Darabont is only around, what, like two hours tops? Less than than that. And that is such better characterization. And that's not just because you got Andre Brower, one of my favorite actors of all time. And our our other favorite actor of all time, Thomas Thomas Jane. Thomas Jane. And, and you know, you you have a lot of other amazing uh, people that are in that that movie. But the storytelling is so subtle and so um, nuanced that none of that's here. It's just none of it, and and, and, not, and nothing's really compelling. Which is really surprising to me is that there's a lot of like crazy, awful things happening, and I don't care about any of it because there's just no. It, it just it's it's just like they're they're setting up a lot for what's come what's to come, and you know who knows maybe it starts getting compelling, but. But that's uh, the problem, I, You can't just set up a bunch of shit when we don't have any clue who people are. It's like a catch-22. You can't have a good—there's not a good script here, and then they're not good performances. So nothing's able we to— What are watching? Yeah, no. what are you
2: watching? And then the weighty topics that you mentioned, I mean, good God. Those topics have to be handled with like a, you know, like, a like a soft touch. Yeah. And it's so heavy-handed, and we've seen so many of these—what um, what transpires happen a million times over the course of— what sixty-seven years of television yeah. and every hundred years
0: of movies, everything hundred years of books is like the setups are so convenient. It's uh, like excruciating. I mean, and then there's also when, when, you know when Mac or our fellow loser, when when him and I watched this, he was pointing out like the logic isn't there at all. I mean, there are like characters that seemingly know each other. You know, the military guys in the jail cell. And she seems to like the, the there's another woman that, oh, it's another that, that gets, that, that drug gets drug addict who's
2: got a secret with money and passports. Yeah, yeah, I'm not it's kidding. Just, they, <laughs> it's so much
0: in the span of half an hour. It's awful. It, it's insane. I, I, I'm, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that like 15 characters are introduced and not one of them you give a shit about at all by the end. I mean, this is, this is hands down enough for me, but Whew. I mean, we have more questions to go through. So uh, let's keep going.
1: More questions here. Um, how would you describe the cinematography? Does it resemble prestige drama?
2: No, it looks cheap, it's cheap. So like, it looks yeah. like Spike. Movie? It looks like Spike had a Stephen King property and that's all the money they were willing to spend. Yeah. Like people watch this no matter what we do and that's what it felt like to me. Yeah. They, underso- they undersold
0: it. CGI missed cgi, CGI and that's a problem i mean is there a question about the cgi in there no i did not Oh well let's talk about the cgi for a second <laughs> <Because> <laughs> there's a victim in this that it looks like something out of a silent hill game i mean yeah I'm not kidding. it really it's does it looks like a it looks worse than an fmv sequence in a
1: ps2 game which i always use that comparison for a lot of really bad cgi but what about an fmv sequence in the game missed from the mid-90s
0: i would actually say it's better because <laughs> i'm in that world i know what the you know the graphics are going to look like and i this just is uh, abysmal. I mean, and it's not even necessary. I mean, you could do these effects like look. You go watch Ash vs. Evil Dead on Stars, which I guarantee probably has a similar budget, uh, you know, and <laughs> and they do amazing practical effects. Now, granted, you know that they have the they kind of set the the bar with their you know previous Evil Dead films, but. it it, still you could do practical effects somebody's jaw gets ripped off you should be able to do that without having to resort to cgi all the time i'm sorry they've done it they've done it for decades and you know it probably costs less money too it's just lazy it's just just lazy and Mm. you know and and the problem is is like the fact that they're able to go to that level of gore is the probably the only thing i'd applaud but who cares if doesn't it doesn't mean anything and then also who cares if it doesn't look good so I, I could not imagine watching another nine episodes. I would not want to. I wouldn't want to watch another episode. Of that this. leads
1: to another question. Mm-hmm. Could it get better?
0: I really don't think no. so.
2: Unless, here's the only ways to get better. I know this what you're going to say. say. Maybe, <laughs> I, here we go. The next episode, right? So the mist ends up killing everybody in the pilot. Yeah. <laughs> And then we go to another town, and they're watching reports on this. Thomas And Thomas Chan is there. Yes! Is there. <laughs> That's, like, That's what I was. He's like, like, I know what to do here. I know what to do. And then there, there's your redemption story. Yes. I've encountered
1: the mist before.
2: Yeah, like you know. Oh, it, if he came, I'm not we talked about this. If he came kicking down the door and said, "Follow me." Yeah. Oh my God. I'd be on I'm board. I'd be on board. I'd be,
0: on. I would get cable back just so I could watch. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Spike TV <laughs> Because at least There would be an actor there That would elevate The proceedings There would yeah. be somebody and not there. even
1: Francis Connery Can do that No
0: man. No I mean in, in She lost her way with me With
2: Catwoman Catwoman She was in Catwoman She was in Catwoman She was uh-huh. like one of the Catwomen that were before oh, or something hey, That's a uh, story. people. That's story People can make
1: bad movies And still be great Yeah
2: Look but at she, at she hasn't uh, Done anything Hopkins. really good
0: Sir, Sir Anthony Hopkins, you're right. I do love Sir Anthony Hopkins. Harzit Atlantis. <laughs> hey, uh, Sir Anthony Hopkins is starring in one of the biggest uh, critical flops of the year this weekend.
1: Right. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He's been in these Transformers movies. Yeah. Uh, but then well, he's, in, he's in high-minded fair like Westworld. Oh, which mm. is another great show. <laughs> Reddit that I made. Stand. Look, constant listeners, if
0: you're listening to me and you you hear me say bad things about Westworld and you think that you know you might not trust my opinions here, then go for it. Try, try the mist. Uh, but I, Vegas odds, we're going to talk Vegas odds. I, I don't know really how to do the odds, but the, the odds are high that, uh, you're not going to like this. So,
1: um, you would you recommend it?
2: <laughs> yes. Um, a lot of fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Randall, I would not recommend this Mike. No, no. I would rather, uh, you know, here's a, here's a good idea. Uh, get yourself the audiobook book or the mist and then just watch the weather channel <laughs> and listen to the mist, uh,
1: like a on, foggy, your, like, yeah. like this weather channel for like a foggy a foggy day or something area. like that.
0: And you'd have a far more compelling experience than you would watching this just miserable series, which is sad because like it should be good. And, and you know, based on all the interviews they've been doing with Christian Torp, he really wanted to do something that was interesting and, you know, connected to King. And it just the idea is there. The execution is not. I, my
2: suggestion would just be, um, hey, you know, what, you constant listeners out there, you've earned it. Uh, take a little nap for forty-five minutes. And I bet you, whoever you, cab- whoever you dream about, will be more imaginative. Uh, just for
1: just for the sake of the show, um, how many bright red Pennywise clown noses would you give? And we're just talking about the pilot, so you know, yeah. the pilot of the Mist on Spike TV. Mike, how many bright red Pennywise clown noses? Uh, let's just say Pennywise is not going to be smelling anything
0: because there are no noses <laughs> for this one. This is a no noser. This no is nose. like
2: this is like the first uh, ten pages of it, which is Adrian. And and Webby and whatever and <laughs> Webby and you don't that's one of the characters names. Oh, I
1: haven't read in so long. And,
2: and you don't even see Pennywise yet. There's yeah. no Pennywise clown just yeah. to be found. That's true. It's it's really bad until
0: someone uh, go, you know goes off the bridge. Oh, I love um, that scene. It's a great scene. I you know Mac and I were talking about this after we finished the pilot, and this is kind of uh, this is a little worrisome. I mean, this is like the first you know big King property that we're seeing this year, and it's miserable, and we kind of don't really have. A lot of high hopes for the Dark Tower, which is kind of next. And I don't know. At the
2: same point, though, I mean, I don't think any of these filmmakers ever, ever even met each other. This isn't like a, a Star Wars situation where it's all under the same banner or even Marvel where it's all under the same banner or like DC if it's all under the same banner. Like if one movie's bad then you're like, oh, here we go. Yeah. These are all Sep- Sony, WB, and Spike. You know, I don't think. I'm not that Just worried. Just
1: to play the devil's advocate here, I have a tweet from Stephen King on June 13th that says, <laughs> The Miss TV series premieres on Spike June 22nd. You might want to mark it on your calendar. It's really good. <laughs>
2: It feels like ten years ago when we read that tweet for the first yeah, time. It really does,
1: you know. So, so that's our uh, wholehearted uh, discussion of Stephen King's *The Mist*. I can't wait to check it out personally. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so now mad. we're just going to take a moment and we're going to dip into our bag of bones. You know Got some questions here uh, submitted by you guys on various platforms. Did we pull from all the platforms? From Instagram? Oh uh, yeah, I,
2: I, I grabbed from the old Instagram and Facebook, and I think uh, some Twitter people asked some questions. A lot of the questions did come in through Facebook. So
1: yeah, Facebook is, uh, is is probably the one we are most diligent about, but, um, agreed. let's take a moment here and, uh, let's, let's answer some questions. Are you guys ready? I'm ready. So from, uh, Luan Romalo, uh, did King ever say any, I, I kind of love this question. Did King ever say anything about Brazil in any of his books? I remember that Ted Brodigan's backstory has something about the Amazon forest and the dark tower volume seven, but aside from that, nothing else, at least not in what I have read so far. And did any of you guys or girl ever visit or wish to visit Brazil? I kind of love this because the the listener um, is just from Brazil and he's just very interested in how Brazil and King's World intersects, which I find kind of lovely.
2: I found nothing... Either my old memory banks or the internet's memory banks uh, that pinpointed anything that actually took place in Brazil. He doesn't really
1: leave the
0: U.S. That's what I was thinking too. No, but this is an interesting question because it really does kind of give us some insight into the readers that are outside and you know Mm -hmm. international. And like I think it's so easy for us to visualize a lot of these stories because we see small town America a lot. You know, we've driven through a lot of small towns, and you know that's where a lot of these stories you know are based out of. And even if we're not in Maine, because I've never been to Maine before, but I. Can certainly, you know, connect the dots in a lot of things that he's describing because, you know, we've seen the, you know, rustic America in any sort of state. I mean, it doesn't really matter where you are. Um, as long as you're America, you're gonna know that small town atmosphere. So I, I, well, I really was touched by this like, question because it, it, I don't, I can't think of any international stories that he's not. He's done. just
2: very concerned with um, where he's from. I mean, it's one of those you know right where you know type things. Yeah, and I think that's why it works really well in his books in the, in the small towns of Maine and whatnot. You know? That
0: actually could have been something that we we uh, put on the next need, or the last needful tweets when we were talking about you know something that he hasn't done yet. Was, yeah,
2: there you go. I love it's seeing. The an international story. story. Well, somebody I, suggested. Um, like another point of view for the stand. I can't remember if it was you, Randall, or if it was Dan. I think it was Caffrey. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought that
0: was a good take. That I happen. personally would love to go to Brazil. Me too. I've been wanting to go for years. Uh, my aunt actually lived down there for yeah. a long period of time. Uh, she loves it. Uh, so I have a lot of um, her in-laws live there. So she's, she's always going back and forth. But I really want to go to Lollapalooza down there. Um, and I want to go to uh, Rio, uh, You know, the, the rock and Rio one of Carnival. these days. Carnival. You know?
2: Have you ever seen Blame It on Rio with Michael Kinn?
1: Uh, no, no I've, seen, I've not. But this is my Michael Caine impression.
0: This is my Michael Caine impersonation. I've never, I've never been to uh, Rio, <laughs> Rio. But I. That's like a what is that? Like John F. Kennedy? <laughs> I think she was I've, only 16 I've, years old. I've never been to
1: Rio, <laughs> but no, I've I've never actually been there. But uh, I saw City of God, and I love that movie. Oh, I love that
0: movie. Top
2: ten movies of all time for Justin Gerber. Yeah, yeah. All, all right.
1: Time. Uh, Tim Collins asks, Black Sabbath wrote a song inspired by The Shining, The Ramones wrote a song inspired by Pet Sematary, and Anthrax, Wishbone, Ash, and ABBA all wrote songs inspired by The Stand. Which other bands do you wish had written King-inspired songs? Um... I think Ice Nine I've, Kills. I wish I they, think think they, they did, did write one about oh, the, Shining. the Shining.
2: I've got one that popped up right away for me is Ryan Adams. Oh, yeah. Because mm. Ryan Adams, um, at the beginning of Leesy's story, he, he, where, uh, where the stars go blue, is mentioned at the very beginning of that. Um, wait, wait. Ryan Adams' song? Yeah, Ryan's song is mentioned wow, in, that, I didn't yeah, know that. in the intro. Um, I wonder if Ryan Adams knows that. I, well, here's the thing because then a couple years later, um, for Easy Tiger, uh, Stephen King did like A blurb for it Really? Yeah for that And wow. then he named his band Ryan Adams and The Shining That's touring right now I, when, when, so, Ryan, when Ryan yeah.
0: Adams Used to follow me on Twitter Before he unfollowed me For God knows why um, <laughs> I've only supported his Fucking album the whole year But uh, anyway When he unfollowed me um, and, uh, and And and, and, just, and broke my fucking heart um, Before he did that I wanted to ask him if he would ever uh, record <laughs> "Baby, Can You Dig Your Man" because I thought he would be great as a Larry, you know, Larry Underwood. I think he still follows me, Mike. So I'll make sure to ask yeah, him. Yeah, well, question. go ahead and go ask him. <laughs> I'm you kidding. He is Hey, "Prisoner" album of the year, but hey, I guess uh, I'm uh, worth a block or an unfollow. Not a block. He didn't block me. Zach Braff blocked me, but
1: I'd love it. I'd love it if you took that album out of your top ten because he unfollowed you on Twitter. No, That's like
0: something just, other websites would do though, so I wouldn't pr- be surprised. He probably got he probably got disappointed because I I said something about like Himes, one of their songs or something like that saying that they should finish it or when they were when they released their music video um that Paul Thomas Anderson music video and I said well it's kind of a waste of using Paul Thomas Anderson cuz all it is just studio footage and you have like one of the best directors of all time. Well here's the thing, Am's is a big fan of uh, Punch-Drunk Love. So I think he probably, <laughs> yeah, he probably was sliding PT. You know, hey,
1: there's not a PT Anderson movie I don't like. So Well, um number 1. You know, I- I like this question too because I think like I would love a song like inspired by King, but not. I would love one that's like from the, like a folk song and that's kind of from the perspective of a minor character. Um, the the band the Mountain Goats uh, do this a lot, which I really love. Is the the songwriter John Darnielle? He's he, our friend. He's uh, a yeah. He's worked with COS a lot. Yeah, he's worked yeah. with us a lot. He um he has a couple songs where he just takes minor characters from larger properties and kind of tells like a sweet little heartbreaking story about them. He's got one um about Toad from the Mario games. Um, <laughs> really? Yeah. Wait. It's often EP he did with um khaki king and uh it's called i'm sorry princess or i'm sorry mario but the princess is in another castle and it's basically toad waiting in the bowels of the dungeon for uh mario to come and save him and he's like really scared and it's a really sweet melancholy kind of song and it's all about like hearing the ghosts outside and like the monsters outside and
0: i bet i can guess what character you'd want him to write a song about
1: uh i would uh nadine yeah, oh. I oh, love. Oh, I thought you were song. say the Rat
0: Man. No, the Rat, no, I not the rat, rat Man. I would love a Ratman
1: song, but uh, that would need to be done by like um, like uh, Ram Jam. <laughs> Ram Jam. Hey, I
2: think uh, he would do a really good like Doc Soames song. Would you like to hear it? My version of a John Dernale <laughs> doing Doc Soames. And oh, wait, are you going to do? An I'm going to do, okay. do a little impression. Oh, right? well, here we go. It's a song of Doc Soames and Nick Andros. <laughs> <laughs> he died of the plague. They were good fellows. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's right? pretty, that's pretty good. good. That's pretty that's good, good. Thank you. He also has a. He, g- I like the pause he took because he couldn't remember the rhyme. Yeah, that was so that's pretty cool. Yeah, <laughs> I like that
0: you're 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 so into character with your impersonation that you've you've you know you've given him some Look, vocal. The imitation
2: was so good, I lost myself in myself. Oh I, man, I know that was so hey, solid. did you go
1: method for that impersonation? I, did, I should retire. <laughs> um, Darnell also has a song about the. Like, in The Godfather, they keep mentioning these mobsters called the Diaz brothers, but you never see them. And uh, he wrote a whole song all about the Diaz brothers. And I think that's just kind of neat when you take these kind of uh, toss-off kind of characters or whatever and give them... Like, I mean, you know, like, not even Nadine, like... I mean, I'm almost thinking of like you know, I don't know, like uh, like Doc Zone, one of the guys. Yeah, Doc Zones are like one of the guys in the gas station at the beginning. Yeah, like uh, that'd like be cool. Norm Brewitt. Like I'd love to hear like him sing a song from that perspective.
0: Well, for me, it would probably be uh, you know, Ethan Hawke did some music for uh, the Reality Bites. I'd like to see him do a song about Maximum Overdrive. I think that'd be you know pretty interesting. <laughs> so Ethan <He>, Hawke? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he covered he covered Violent Femmes for in a, on the you know for the soundtrack of uh uh, for reality bites, he actually did another song for reality bites, so I'd like to see him I do maximum overdrive. He directed the video that Lisa Loeb sent, yes, That's he did. Oh, wow! Yeah. Well, he does a lot of things and he writes some great books, too. I've
1: read his books, you know? I'm a huge Ethan Hawk fan. I love Ethan when, I was, Ethan Hawke. when I was standing next to him at South by Southwest, like it was like a I said not one word to him and it was like a seminal moment,
0: yeah. I, 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 when I went to I had a similar situation with uh Kirsten Dunst, who's oh, my nice. all time crush, and she walked into the uh Paramount, yeah, and I was. I like walk. I ran over out to the front because uh, Heather, my wife, had, had told me that she was out there, and I, I ran up, and she was literally standing right next to me, and I didn't say fucking anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, what are you gonna was, say? I didn't know what I was gonna You're say. Beautiful. I, gonna, oh, I can't wait to watch Midnight Special. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, all right, let's move on. I next. I forgot question. she was even in that. Yeah.
1: Well, I forgot about that. forgot movie. the movie existed. Yeah. Uh, this is from Christopher Reese. Hey, guys, so I enjoyed your various discussions of possible directors uh, taking on King properties. Um, So working off that and moving into the realm of fantasy, which Stephen King property would be most suited to the particular gifts slash visions of the following directors who made movies before Stephen King started publishing? Um, This is a neat question. Um, And he lists some directors. Yeah, so he says Todd Browning, uh, who directed Freaks um, and the original Dracula. So very kind of like... um, I, I guess like, and like, uh, like your classic gothic horror. Back yeah. Then. And he, Todd Browning was, uh, he worked in the circus beforehand. So there was always kind of like, he was very interested in non traditional body types and, um, and horror and body horror in a lot of ways and, um, playing he, with the He also like did that. The
2: Unknown with Lon Chaney. And Lon Chaney played a man with no arms. And that was an incredible performance. He just, you used his feet to oh, do everything. Oh, yeah. We watched that? that. Yeah. Yeah. Really that cool is creepy. And there's so, a twist, of course. But yeah. Anyway.
1: So what would, uh, what movie do you guys, or what adaptation or book do you think yeah, you could I do a took, good job with?
2: Um, I mean, I was Captain Obvious here, but I went with Salem's Lot because Salem's Lot is very influenced by the old tale of Dracula and is obviously adapted by Todd Browning.
1: Yeah, that's really neat. Um there you know that story? I think I bring this up a lot because it always sticks with me. But that story about the finger coming through the drain that's in um skeleton key skeleton, skeleton, skeleton key, crew. Skeleton right? crew? Yeah. I think it's in that book. It's either that or nightmares. But I would love to see him do that. Just the way that he uh likes to work with the human body being manipulated. And I know that the finger is like so long and everything. Like and like if we ever saw what has that finger, that to mm. me could be so cool. Yeah. Uh, do you have any thoughts, Mike?
0: Uh, I think he would be really good at Thinner.
1: Oh, I, yeah. I Actually, I have, because
2: um, you know? there were a couple other directors listed on here, too. I think he listed Roger Corman. And I actually had Roger Corman for Thinner. Oh, really? This seems like the kind of cheapy, exploitative uh, exploitative movie that he would do. I'd like you know? to see
1: Roger Corman do Cell.
2: I thought about oh, that, too, man. but I don't ever want to see Cell again. So or, or <laughs> I just about
1: love, cell. like, a really cheapo version of it yeah. with, like, like burner phones and <laughs> Oh I actually God. would love that.
0: Yeah. It would be so much better than the shit one like, that Like, just
1: not take a, you know, try not to be too serious about it. Yeah. Just, like, do something really cheap and kind of toss off. Um, another one on here is James Whale, who directed uh, Frankenstein, 1931, Bride of Frankenstein, The Invisible Man. Invisible
0: Man is great. That's yeah. probably my favorite of the Universal Monsters. Yeah, that and The the Wolfman for me are
2: are excellent. There's I have a, some hot takes about Frankenstein. I'd say in those movies there's Dracula. a slight
1: kind of romanticism. Oh, there um, absolutely is. Yeah. And so uh maybe uh story. Oh yeah. Could be a that one. could be cool. Just yeah. The fantastical element that, that she Yeah, I'm for me. I am i am thinking specifically of the fantastical elements mm. of the book and how he might play with that. Um yeah. Do you have any thoughts, Mike? I, I don't have one for this one. I'm I'm trying to think of like a singular
0: entity that would work within you know King's bibliography, and I just can't. I'm just drawing a fucking blank right now. You know, maybe um, even like a firestarter, actually. Yeah, firestarter could be good. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I mean, it's like you know, if you think about it, like a Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Invisible Man—they're all like just like a singular you know monster there. And I just I can't think. Maybe Cujo, but that's not. I don't. I don't know. That's I, I'd mm. probably I'd probably do Roger Corman for Cujo. Actually,
2: yeah,
1: I agree. That with I could that. work too with that. Yeah, and then he's got Alfred Hitchcock.
0: Oh,
2: that's
1: a good one. Yeah. I
2: have... Um, I'd say Speaking stone. of a good one, I've got a good marriage because he dealt with a lot of those um, uh, relationships, you know, of is my lover a killer or not? And that's what a good marriage is all about. Yeah. I got, it, I got Not it. Not a good marriage in general, but the story a good marriage,
0: of course. Now, this one would make absolutely no fucking sense, but I would love it if uh, Hitchcock could have done 112263. Oh, yeah. Which would make... Because that's when all those movies were, so it doesn't really make much sense. But, um, let's just say, like, you know, 150 year old, uh, like you know, Alfred Hitchcock was able to go make this film now or whatever. I don't know how old he would be right now, he'd probably be like 100 something years old, though, right? 120 almost, I think, at this point, yeah. So I would love it if you could have done uh, 11, eleven twenty two sixty three 63, though. Thanks, those, Alfred, for dying yeah. so, so young. But could you imagine who he would have, like, cast for Sadie? You know, maybe, like, a Grace Kelly or something. It would have been Grace Kelly, a Janet Leigh, yeah, your Vera Miles, yeah. your Julie Andrews. If, if, go on, if, on. Let's say that Alfred Hitchcock was in, you know, he does those cameos. Oh, here we go. He could be <laughs> uh, Frank. He could be Dunning, the uh, the abusive, like, butcher. But he wouldn't be able to say
2: anything. You, no. Like, the camera would walk by with him saying, like, next – He wouldn't say anything. He would just, you'd say, thanks a lot for the, thanks for the beef. And then he'd just kind of (laughs) nod and then the scene would be over with. Yeah, I could see that.
1: Uh, we've got a couple of questions here from Marie Ronding Pank. Uh, King has written a few sequels. I love
0: this question. What
1: book would you like to see a sequel of? And she says, I read Firestarter, The Shining, and Pet Cemetery as a kid, and I wanted those kids to meet up as teens or adults. Guess that won't happen.
0: And you know what? I've been wanting that forever, and yeah. I'm very glad that she mentioned that, because especially that she included Pet Cemetery. Yeah. You
1: know? Yeah. So
0: Ellie Ellie should be mentioned more when we're talking about the Shining Kids.
1: Well, I think that's one that we would that could be a cool yes, sequel. Yes, I've it's, wanted a
0: sequel to Pet Sematary. Yeah, that however. centers
1: around Ellie. I'd definitely like to see that. Yeah, I
2: think we had kind of answered that one. I think I deleted it on my end uh, a couple weeks ago. But that was, well, I don't know if you were in that episode, Randall, actually. Maybe, maybe you not. were or not. But I had said it was the, um, the combination of Danny and Charlie from Firestarter. And there there's your sequel right and there. And then
0: you actually left out Ellie. So there you go. Prove my point. Yeah, who cares uh, about her? She's dead. She's not In dead. my eyes, she's dead. She's not dead. Uh, Louis <laughs> Creed is dead. Um, <laughs> I know she's fine. No, but I think it's compelling. Like, what would happen to her? Yeah. So, how would you really explain what happened at the end of Pet Cemetery? Not to spoil it. Well, actually, we are going to spoil it. So, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. At the end, you know, let's say that she, you know, the wife is going to kill Louis Creed. What happens next? She's just still going to be wandering around, right? Yeah. So some, that's what's always scary about that book for me is that somewhere, because I imagine they're like kind of up on a hill, mm-hmm. sort to of speak, because everything's kind of hilly in, yeah. based on the movie, at least, or in, in the way that he describes it, because you, you know when they could see from their lawn, they could see like the whole terrain of Maine and stuff. So it's kind of weird, especially if you're like, imagine you're a trucker and you see this like wandering wife just like, like uh, or maybe she buries him. I don't know. I, yeah. I don't think so. I, don't, I think you have to be human to bury the other one. But anyway... I, I, I wonder would what love what the rules are there. there. Yeah, I think
2: Pet Cemetery too, though Clancy Brown buries somebody and yeah. he's already dead. <laughs> yeah, that's in true. the movie. So. well, that's Pretty canon. by the canon. Can, of yeah, Pet Cemetery too. I,
0: I um, in terms of like editing a book, though. What what are you guys thinking? I oh, would re. Well, ed- Sorry, you guys I haven't
1: uh, read that part yet. But she sa- also said she he has also written two re-releases: the Stand and the Gunslinger, in which he added material and updates. What book would you like to see him edit, enhance, update, and re-release? I don't know if I'd want him to to do that to anything.
2: I said the same thing, except I I would like him to actually go back and re-edit the Stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and take out some of that book two, but you know like I mean? only
1: some of it. Like I'd say, only some of it. There's only a some version in between the two that I think is perfect. There's
2: yeah. an 1192 page version of the stand a paperback, of course, Anchor Books edition. That would be fantastic. I would
0: love it if he just went back and um, decided to strip the Mister Mercedes trilogy off of his bibliography because I don't want to read it.
1: Oh, come on, it's you got three years, add. Mike,
0: to
2: amp yourself up. Don't yeah, worry. Well, but by that, but that point it would be like a completionist thing. So yeah, you'd be excited. That that is actually true.
1: We had a couple different people. Uh, Chris Ayers, uh, Carlton Stevens asked us if we'd be dedicating episodes to King's original screenplays, things like Creepshow and uh, Sleepwalkers and teleplays like Golden Years and Storm of the Century. And the answer is a hard yes. Absolutely. Um, we we are completionists over here and we are going to touch on everything. So, um, Juan Kitney asks, which King book villain do you guys think commits the most heinous acts? Also, do you think King could make a serial killer story work with no supernatural elements let's focus on the first question who do we think is the most heinous besides Pennywise who eats armpits
0: Man, that's a good one. I mean, reading The Dead Zone right now, Greg Stilson's pretty bad, but... He's the most believable, yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, um, like, like I could you know, see him,
1: you know... I think of Dark Half, uh, Stark. Like, yeah,
2: that's the thing, because heinous, like the most so the most violent act, yeah. you think so? Well, yeah, George Stark is pretty brutal in the Dark Half, that's like a good he one. Or cuts, Pennywise, too, He cuts
1: though. off a guy's penis and puts it in his mouth.
2: Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hot okay. as hell. Let's. Uh, <laughs> oh, God.
1: let's, let's
2: uh, <laughs> well, Pennywise let's, tears off kids' heads, too, so I mean, that's pretty heinous. Pennywise is pretty brutal. Does he tear off kids' heads? And, yeah, And then he does. Yeah. Well, Wait, I want the specific. This. Yeah, it's a great, another great short story
0: within it. It's, it's a nasty, fucking great book. I remember. Oh, it. to to it's that. it's not with one of the main principal characters. No, no, okay. no, no, Okay, it's another one. The, yeah. It's
2: the Tales of the Forgotten or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I would say yeah. So Pennywise is is pretty brutal. Just to the fact that he targets children too is 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 heinous. To I
0: mean, me. the kid's pretty gross. <laughs> the kid, <laughs> but he
1: doesn't commit. Oh yeah, but yes, he no. heinous acts. heinous
0: sins, but not no no no. You know. You know who's pretty awful is not Greg Stilson as much as um, uh, Frank Dodd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: that is a fucked up backstory. We're going to be mm. talking about that a lot I think in the King next episode. I think King is kind of obsessed with Dodd. He brings him up all the time, like yeah. in other books and stories, too. He brings up the Dodd family. Like, I think that was a character he was very, like...
2: Oh, no, by. if you read The Dedication, he mentions... But I'll, you, you can talk about that in the episode. Read The Dedication at the beginning. And he
0: talks about the... Uh, he ta- he talks there's about a dedication and then there's like an, an author's note, I believe, and he talks about Frank Dodd. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty bad. I'm trying to think of maybe some of his later stuff that's, um, you know, pretty despicable. Oh, again, too, we're forgetting somebody I major from later on, but I
2: can't uh, pull right now.
0: Cujo's mm-hmm. pretty mean, too. No. Yeah, Cujo's <laughs> a for, jerk. He's the most sympathetic
2: villain. Cujo's now, a little. real jerk. Yeah, yeah, he is awful.
1: Um, bark. Bark. Andy Dutton uh, asks us, which Stephen King book written since the accident, this is relevant to this episode, uh, do you think will be grouped among his classics come the end of his life career? So, post Dreamcatcher. Mm. Yeah, we um, kind of
2: talked about this just in terms of somebody didn't like his work after that, but we thought there was a lot of good books. Yeah, I'd say 1122 yeah.
1: would be a classic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in terms of pure, like, you know, there's like Literary King and then there's sort of like uh, Pulpy King. Yeah. And obviously the two can. Intermingle, uh, which they do often, but I'd also put under the dome. For me personally, I think it's a little too long, but um, well, just in terms of there's a few too many storylines, a few too much bullshit. But um, but that book to me is a great pulp read. Yeah, like it's so compulsively readable.
2: I'd say yes to both of those actually, and I'm on an episode, so I might as well give another call. uh, Lacey's story.
1: Booyah.
2: Those are three right there. Because I mean, yeah. is two's. And first, I mean, there's so. other really good ones too. But in terms of in terms of classic, um, King, those are the for me the the the, the, the top three
0: since the accident. I like his other question that he had.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, with Stephen King recommending *Carry and Comfort* by Dan Simmons, *The Haunting of Hill House* by Shirley Jackson, and *Ghost Story* by Peter Straub. I've tried three times to read *Ghost Story* and I cannot get into it. Have you guys read it?
0: I've seen the movie Ghost Story. Is it any good? I don't know if it's based on the Straw Book. I don't think it is, but
1: the movie's great. great. Hmm. Yeah, I tried. I've read other Dan Simmons books, and I tried reading *Carrying Comfort*, but it was too dense for me at the time. I think I just wanted like something light and fluffy. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll get around to it someday. I still own it. Um, so, what would you say are your top three horror stories, not written by King himself?
0: I had mentioned this in the past. You know, past podcast was uh, the Colorado Space by uh, H. B. Lovecraft. That's my top.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, I really do love uh, the Haunting of Hill House. I, I think it's a very chilling book. Um, yeah, I think it's really, really creepy. The there are a lot of subtle scenes of horror in that. That the uh, '60s version or the '60s take of that, um, you know, that story does a really good job of capturing. Um, I, I can't for the life of me think of a third one right now, though. It's weird. I mean, maybe you could toss in American Psycho. Yeah, that's we. Fucking, that's yeah, I mean, also. we
2: we got a question similar to this a couple of weeks ago. Um, I didn't really even. I think I mentioned the fact that I have not really dived into a lot of horror outside of King.
0: Yeah. So for me, I. Oh yeah. Well, it's tough. I mean, there's Poe. I mean, something I, I guess, this
2: way: comes if you want to count that as horror, I guess. Sure. Yeah, and I wouldn't. I, been, I don't know. Um, if I'm,
0: yeah, I don't know. If that's if that is counted as horror, I'd probably put that in my you know top yeah. three also. I love the Cask of Amontillado, uh, uh, mm-hmm. which is a. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe, I think that's very creepy. Yeah. I, the way that he writes that with the uh, the way he keeps layering the bricks mm-hmm. and he's talking to the the person that he's trapping is uh, ultimately terrifying. Um, I don't know, what do you think?
1: Um, I love uh, Hell House by Richard Matheson. It's pretty great. Um, I'm a huge fan of... Uh, well, I, it's hard for me to say, like, these are my top three because mm-hmm. um, I, I it's very hard for me to, to rank top threes because then I always realize I'm forgetting something. Yeah. But ones that come to mind, I think of Hell House by Richard Matheson. I think of The Troop by Nick Cutter. And I think of, oh, I had another one in my head and now it's gone. Um, uh, the... Summer of Night, I believe it's called by Dan Simmons, is also very good. It's very creepy and weird. He made a sequel uh, that was not that great, but the original is is good. It was basically Dan Simmons' riff on... It or I mean, not uh, wait, was it? Yeah, on it, like it's like a group of kids and kind of a unstoppable kind of terror that's sweeping through this town. Mm. And that's a really, really cool book. And it's also like really meaty and long and brutal, yeah. like it. So, so those are three that I think are pretty solid. They're not my top, but they're They're books that come to mind when I think about this, right? Now. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just remembered the other one I was thinking of, and it's kind of cliche, but the, if you haven't read the book, you should really read The Exorcist by William Peter oh, yeah. Blatty. Yeah, that's excellent.
2: There you go, it's yeah.
1: fucking terrible. Yeah, Fine.
2: Legion's also great. <laughs> I have not read yeah.
1: Legion. I need to read that. I'll let you borrow it. It's oh, excellent. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I, I fucking love. I admit, the Exorcist is the only book I was much younger, but i still. I was probably like nineteen at the time. <laughs> like I wasn't a baby, yeah. but when I read The Exorcist for the first time, I like I couldn't read it before bed. It was freaking me out. It was giving me nightmares. House of Leaves is pretty scary. I've read any of his books. I that's I like the only to one just I've kind read.
2: Of relax
0: when I read, and I feel like it's.
2: Yeah. It's, it's, a lot it's, it's,
0: a, it's a tough read because it's just it, it requires a lot of I don't patience.
2: like to have to like flip my book upside so down. I don't either. To enjoy, I think know? it's
0: kind of a gimmick, but it, it does it does really I hear only good things. Bring you
1: into that story in a way that I, read, I don't know how it would work. I read right? about 20% of it. Yeah. And then I started it started to feel kind of like a chore. Yeah. Um it was really good yeah. for a while, and then I felt like it started. Kind of dragging its feet a little bit on purpose. Yeah. I mean, I always felt in very good hands with his writing, um, uh, but like he's clearly very, very brilliant. But you know, and when the writing's good, it's really, really good. But I just started to get a little bit annoyed, and I wanted to just, just keep moving. And I started to just feel really put off by it. I might try to revisit it though, because I feel like that's a book I wanna, yeah. I wanna have under my, uh, I wanna have under my belt. Any other thoughts on this? No. Cool. Um, Preston Hult says with Studios partnering with Netflix wouldn't some of the remakes new properties be better off there? Yes. I'm mostly thinking of the stand, but I think Firestarter would work well too. A proper adaptation of Under the Dome could go for a good five seasons. I love a proper adaptation. You know, (laughs) I I, I love that
0: Firestarter is one of the recommended ones because guess what? You can watch it right now. Uh, Season one, Stranger Things. There you go. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it is it's it it is Firestarter like that. that It is in a lot
1: of ways, but we are getting a Firestarter movie from Blumhouse. Oh, but guess what? You know who's writing that? Who your favorite? Hollywood hack. Are you serious? Akiva Goldsman's writing? Yeah. It? yeah, we
0: talked about. I think he's just directing it though, Oh, he's which is really it? weird. Oh, oh god, he's directing so it. So he's not
2: no, it's no, no, no. Randall, he's nightmare. not
0: even writing it. I think he's just directing it. Oh. Yeah, but you know, well, Winners Bone was really good. Exactly.
2: No, no, was no, no, so no. Weird. bone.
0: Uh, what is it called?
1: Winners Tale, Tale. Winners Tale.
0: Yeah. Tale. I like
2: Winter's I wish he bone. Had, if, if congratulations if he freaking wrote. Winter's well, I mean, bone. if he's
1: not working with his own material, I I don't know. I mean, he
2: seems like I just don't understand why you'd be like, you know what? I love what he did. From a visual perspective in Winter's Tale, let's go ahead and have him do. This I think movie. He,
1: I think that I think that dude's just got a lot of juice in Hollywood, which is why I'm digging myself a grave by uh, calling him Hollywood hack all the time. Yeah, it's not good. I know. Okay, so um, and then what else does he say here? Uh, which of King's books have you? Oh, this is another question. But well, which, wait, wait, wait. We didn't. even We got to think of some uh, some remakes and new properties. Uh, you know, um, what
0: are some ideas for the for Netflix that, that that they could you know they could take right now? I, uh, I don't really. God, Salem's Salem Slot. You could do a lot. You could just do any of them. <laughs> especially, the, especially you no. Know,
2: I'm I'm thinking about like the town focused one. So you're under the domes, Salem Slot, Needful Things would be a
0: really good oh, one. Needful
1: things. I want. Um, I'm just thinking about the larger. I mean, that's ensembles. probably
0: going to be tackled in the Castle Rock show, though. We'll see. I mean, we don't really know, which is great. You know, I like yeah, I like the
2: fact that we don't know. Anything, we don't know, but anything. we don't know anything deliberately. This isn't like Bad News Bears, you know, no. not the movie, of course, but the uh, yeah. I, I honestly,
0: in terms of, I I really think it's going to be one of those earlier books. I mean, I mean, I think that you could easily make a seven-season show on, like, The Shining or something. Okay. <laughs> okay. No, that would be so <laughs> awful. 70 hours. How long have we been here?
1: I mean, um, I'd honestly just like to see some movies. Like, we're getting yeah. Gerald's Game from Netflix. Like, yeah. I think that'll be cool. I'm really excited for that.
2: We're getting 1922 with our boy Thomas Jane. Yeah. yeah.
1: And yeah. I think, like, more Netflix movies. Like, I, I'm yeah, i I'm almost a little bit burnt out on series now. I am, um, too. I, I mean, kind of
2: want to go back to the 90-minute. Yeah. I still haven't watched Anne with an E. I need to watch that.
1: Um, I need to watch... Dear white people, I need to watch. Yeah, there's just too much. It's just like, and that's the thing is, it's getting really uh, uh, bloated. And I mean, I just think that focus on stories that can be told in ninety minutes, and then tell those stories in ninety minutes. Like instead of either dragging them out, because like especially with this mist thing, it's kind of like, I I think we already got a good version of the mist. Like, I don't know if that story needs to be told again. Um, I mean, if you're if you tell a really good, I mean, I like the idea of maybe doing a larger world version of it. But if you're not gonna, you know. If you're not going to do it good, then don't do it.
0: That goes for any
1: art, by the way. (laughs) Well, I mean, it even goes back to, like,
0: you have to think of a trajectory. And, you know, a series needs to be at least, like, three seasons for it to be a really series, unless it's a limited series. But... What is the end game for The Mist? Are you really going to have like six seasons in in this like clouded fog? I mean, it just doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't seem.
1: Well, yeah, it's like, yeah, perfect. or do a limited series. Like do like um, yeah. The Night of or uh, Twin Peaks. Like yeah. have a set number of episodes and yeah. don't go beyond it under the dome. Yeah. Do
0: what they're doing with Fargo, where you've
2: got 10 episode series yeah, in the same universe. You do like a 10 episode Needful Things. Do a 10 episode, you
1: know,
0: whatever, you know? Well, maybe that's what Castle Rock is. We don't know. We'll see. We don't know. Uh,
1: So he also asks, which of King's books have you reread the most? Uh, I'm pretty sure for me it's been The Stand, but Salem's Lot is a pretty close second, and 112263 is Gaining Ground. I'm very similar. I've probably read The Stand the most and uh, Salem's Lot, honestly.
0: I've read Carrie, I think, three or four times
2: now. Yeah, I've read all of his 70s work three times. Um, I've read Rage twice in the last five years, believe it or not. So I guess for me, the, all of his 70s work, I've read it at
0: least three times. This is my second reread of The Dead Zone. Oh, wow. I mean, not my second reread. This is my second time reading it. Yeah, so. This is my third time, probably. But yeah, Carrie was is interesting because uh, I had to read it in a um, women in literature class, uh, which is funny because it's, you know, it's Stephen King that wrote it. But the, the teacher that I had, she was great. She wanted to focus mostly on female characters. And um, so we really diagrammed that book like crazy. But I was really surprised, like, rereading it this year for the podcast, how much I forgot. And, like, I just think because there's so much depth to that town, you know, in Chamberlain. I think that's what it is, right? Chamberlain, Chamberlain, Maine? Um, That you don't really... I mean, there's just so much to forget. So,
1: I I, I don't know. I probably will reread it again in the future. It's a breezy read, so... I've reread The Stand five times. Oh, my oh, God. How do you read it five Jesus. times? I read it – well, I read it three times when I was a kid. Like wow. um, it was my first Stephen King book and it was one I just kept going back to. I think honestly it might be like four and a half though because I think sometimes I would skip like really big chunks when I, I was doing rereads. I doing
0: that. That's, I think it's twice for me.
1: Yeah. But I've read, I've I read it – this
2: is my third time in the last, what, 20-something years. So still that's a lot. I know Christopher Lee would read The Lord of the Rings every single year, all three books. He lived to be a hundred years old. Yeah, so I guess they will reading the stand. <laughs>
1: the secret, yeah. I've read Salem's Lot a lot though.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I, I want to reread it.
2: I want to reread. It's great. I, I
1: remember trying to get my girlfriend in high school to. it I just can't it.
2: imagine that that person said that he had read eleven twenty two sixty three twice already. So twice in like the last seven years. Uh, that's an emotional book. That's okay. an emotional That's a long book to read me, twice in the span yeah. of five years. Yeah, I need some time great, to forget though. some things. I, I want to reread it. Oh, so do I. I can't wait to reread it in three years. You know. Yeah. Me I'll too.
0: reread it now. Oh, like yeah. A we'll go ago. reread it then. Yeah. Hey, why don't you start rereading it right now? Yeah.
2: You know what? Put down that paper, Randall. Go <laughs> and reread 1122 <we'll>, <laughs> 63. And already. The
0: podcast Well actually. Tired of you talking about it. <laughs> this entire episode will be devoted strictly
1: to you reading the, you know, 1122. Be an, this episode. An, an unsanctioned audiobook. Yeah. Courtesy of the Losers Pod. Yeah. Uh, his third question. And finally, have you given any of the audiobooks a shot? If so, what's your favorite? If not, why? The only audiobook I've given a shot to was my wife and I were doing a long, long drive and we were listening to Revival. Hmm. Um, that was actually how. I experienced the book for the first time and David Morse was reading it. Love David Morse. Yeah. David Morse is great. King regular. And um, he, it's a good read, but it is kind of where it's a lot easier to notice a a phrase like sweater nubbins when it's said. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In the voice of I David Morris, imagine. which is sort of how <laughs> I kind of got turned on to King Pound Cake because my wife was so appalled by the use of the phrase Sweater Novelins because she's less familiar with King, <laughs> and she kind of called it out. And um, so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was the only one, and it was a good experience. It helped the, helped the drive pass by. I I
2: would listen to audiobooks when I was in my teens, or actually hell younger than that, but it, it I just prefer to read it. Me too. It's hard. Maybe going forward, maybe – not during this podcast, but um, this specific specific episode. But I think maybe in the future, if I've already read a book once or twice, I'll be more willing to go down the audiobook route. But yeah. I don't like—I don't want my first experience to be. You know, I love David Morris. I'm talking to me about revival. I love the book <laughs> revival, but so maybe I would have had a
0: different experience if David Morris was the one reading it. I've yeah. actually never really read um, <laughs> read. I've actually never really listened to yeah. uh, audiobooks. Um, the only one I've actually come close to was for the secret history of twin peaks just because they had a lot of the cast come back and read it so i've been listening to it while reading the book so it's been interesting it's like looking at the documents as they're saying it so that's been kind of fun but yeah i mean i'd like to you know maybe go back to and listen to some of them i hear the um the mist i think it was a radio play that they did i I mean i listened to the radio play for salem's lot and that was awesome um so and i've heard the mist is great so uh, I, I'm looking forward to listening to that. I
1: just don't drive very much. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a car because I live in Chicago, and um, I feel like if I drove more, I'd probably listen to more audiobooks.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's weird because I, I find myself rewinding a lot. If I, you know, even with this this twi- yeah. Twin Peaks thing, I've rewound a bunch. And yeah, I'm, my know, mind just, wanders so much. Yeah, exactly.
1: That's
2: my problem. I need to have my explosions in the sky and my headphones. <laughs> yeah. and looking straight down at that book. I can't. I get distracted. Yeah.
1: Um, Alexander Sanford asks what do you think the essential elements of Kingian fiction are like for Lovecraftian I think cosmic horror purple prose uh, bloodlines decrepit New England what about for King psychic kids small town Maine voices speaking in people's heads sweater nubbins <laughs> <laughs> that's good thanks Alexander um, uh, he named him really I he mean... named them, and I think it's funny because it's like oh it's for Stranger Things yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very Kingian yeah. I think if you want it Kingian just look at Stranger Things
2: oh
0: domineering mother figures
2: Yes, Yeah. Definitely a
0: a trope. I I mean, I feel like almost every book that we've read so far has uh, featured at least one. Mm -hmm. And oh, a a
2: wizened kind of uh, hip older man. Yep.
1: Yeah. I, I think on like I think strong ensembles to me are what I'll, I'll associate with King. Even yeah. though even though he has a lot of books that are more contained, it's like what I always go back to with King is that he builds really strong ensembles, really good character, uh, and he knows how to paint small towns really well. Like small town Maine, he mentions, and um, I think it's like small towns and especially small town Maine, but small towns in general, just communities. You know, I,
0: I think he also has like a really strong interest in like the bond between like. An, an adult and a kid, like, like the respect that like, they're respecting the elders, you know, like if you think about like all the kids for the most part, get along with the adults, mm-hmm. um, they, they have like some sort of like bond there in, in the books that are supposed to be that way. I mean, I, can't, I don't think it really does, but, um, you know, you look at the, the gunslinger, um, or even in like the dead zone, there's a, a few instances of it and, with you know, doctor, yeah. um, there's, there's some of it in Salem's lot, you know, with the, with, uh, um, Ben Mears. And And a um, lot of that was coming from a young 30-something,
2: too. It wasn't like – obviously, right now, you're a little more sympathetic if you're older towards the older generation. I'd also
1: say his books are very romantic. Um, Mm -hmm. He doesn't write – you know relationships. He has doesn't have a nihilistic view of love or relationships. No. His, his his characters really are in love. They really, uh, if you know, if they end up together, it's a beautiful thing. And if they're separated, it's a tragic thing. Yeah. Um, that's not really a popular thing in uh, books these days. I don't think. I think we've become a more, uh, you know, a more cynical culture in a lot of ways. But I think I. But and the thing is, I think me being very very cynical, um, that I sometimes get a little bit annoyed at how in love people can be in Stephen King. But mm-hmm. Also, at the same time, like you know, eleven twenty two sixty three, I think is one of the more moving love stories I've read. Um, yeah, you know, absolutely. in the last several years, I, I I love how that love story plays out. Well, he knows how to surround
0: all those relationships with like the best stakes. Mm-hmm. You know, the ones yeah. that make that love even more impacting. And It's very Shakespearean in that way. But
1: mm-hmm. I think dialects too. You know, just yeah. That, the, well, then the I,
0: not, uh, uh, yeah the yeah, yeah, I, uh,
1: that's something I always associate with King. Yeah, that's a good question. Also, like killer dogs and like you know, uh, <laughs> ki- killer cars. <laughs> vroom vroom cars. <laughs> vroom vroom. Uh, Jeff Nathan asks, why does literary literary criticism use genre fiction as a pejorative? Or Uh, stated a little less bluntly, it seems as though there is a strong stigma against genre fiction despite its wild popularity. Why the dichotomy?
2: I think there's been a shift there, though. Because I think now when people say, refer to whether it's a film or or, or fiction as as genre fiction or a genre film, I think a lot more people are inclined to go check that out. Yep. Especially if they say it's a a
1: strong genre film. I think if anybody's given you shit for reading genre nowadays, um, I think that they need to get with the time. I mean, like the biggest yeah, they
2: can take the infinite jest copy they've got and smash it over and you. Smash it over their head. That's what you can do. With yeah,
1: it. I think a lot of literary critics. Um, the I think maybe he. You know, I I think. Like I think a lot of the old school guys, you know, like Harold Bloom and those guys, like they're the ones who are probably deriding King and deriding a yeah. lot of modern fiction because they're old and stodgy. I think a lot of the literary criticism that's coming out these days are people who grew up on books like Stephen King, grew up on uh, even R.L. Stein and stuff like that. Like a lot of the stuff that was aimed at younger audiences was genre, yeah. uh, at least you know when we were growing up. And so science fiction, fantasy, all that stuff. So I think that we're seeing kind of a new movement in um, literary criticism where people are much more inclined to uh, give uh, genre fiction sort of the benefit of the It's not even the benefit of the doubt. It's just like really see the literary merit in it and not dismiss it because it has robots in it or aliens in it or whatever. Good story is a good story. I agree. I mean, when I was in college for creative writing and for writing in general, I had so many
0: professors that gave me shit uh, for genre mm-hmm. writing. They'd be like, this is genre writing, this is not what we're about and it's like, you know, it's like, who cares? You know, it, it's good. You know, it, like just. All right. Let's here's let's, a story about cancer. Yeah. Well, that, and that's what I, <laughs> I, I almost feel like. That's what it always boils down. I mean, there's so many stories like that in like, the you know, the writer's room. And it got to the point where it's just like, I don't it's enough. I mean, it's, first off, I, I just think the pretentiousness of like doubting like genre altogether is just really annoying. And, I, and it's something that's I'm going to that's going to be a through line to my arguments that I've pretty much been discussing since the beginning of this podcast and what i'm really interested of is finding out how that really affected King growing up, because I'm sure it did, and I can, yeah. you know, and I've I've pointed out examples of it in the first few books, especially some of the earlier stuff, especially. Salem's Law, no. especially, um, and you, you know, you could hear those in those older podcasts. But that's something that really interests me because it it really bothered me in 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 um, college, and it's really affected where I went as in my trajectory, as a, in my career. Because I mean, I wanted to be a writer, and like I had r- teachers that really like shit upon the idea that you should, that I wanted to do like genre writing. And like, that's, it became infuriating, especially, I mean, maybe a lot of it was because I went to a Southern school and they're all interested in like Southern fiction, which is the most boring fucking fiction (laughs) I could possibly ever think of. And I hate William Faulkner. So I love William Faulkner. I can't stand him. I think he's a genius. So I I will not, I have got to defend Faulkner and that's
2: incredible writing. Like, yeah, you're wrong and I'm right now.
1: All right. <laughs> Long, drawn-out sense. Give, right. Me, give
2: me Hemingway any day. He can go blow his head off again. Yeah, well.
1: Jesus Christ. Did you I'll have anything Fox, to say, man.
2: Justin? Yeah, I am not like Ernest Hemingway. What do you think about that? No, I'm kidding. Um, my thing now is I've gotten to the point where I would rather see a really solid genre film than a classic drama. When it comes to yeah. Film, that's, think, that's where I am at this point. As, any- as strange as that sounds, that's where I am right now. I'm more impressed with a solid piece of horror than I am you know, with a, another historical fictional genre.
1: Anybody who looks down on you for liking genres their head up their ass and yeah. they're they're wrong. Like I mean that 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 it's like the times are changing. Yeah. Like it really is. It's like people still being fucking racist now. <laughs> it's <laughs> like we're so far past yeah. this. Yeah. Are you serious? That's a great equivalent. Well there's just so many <laughs> genre
0: writers that have changed the game. It's just like how could you possibly yeah. marginalize this still? And even you know what really bugs me is that you know that that the, the genre thing about King doesn't bother me so much as nowadays is him being relegated to a horror section you know, he's not even good enough for fiction. And, mm-hmm. the, and again, it's because it's a genre and they, they like to break it down into the horror and sci-fi and fantasy. And maybe that helps sell Which books. is fine for, Whatever. you know, I guess like
1: if you know you want something scary. But. Yeah.
0: And it maybe helps sell other books that are in that vein too because then you'll be wandering around and I'm sure Dean Koontz loves it. But um, <laughs> but hey, King and Koontz, they would be near the same, you know, the same bookshelf anyway hey. if they're under fiction. So Love Koontz. Anyway, I just get really angry. I'm going all out,
1: no. Uh, um, <laughs> so yeah, if anybody ever tries to say to you, Jeff, that you are uncivilized or whatever, or a Philistine because you like horror. You tell them to...
2: The Losers Club pod said to kiss to, off. To go <laughs> fuck yourself.
1: <laughs> um, so, yeah. Next question. This is a weird one. Pierre de maker I hope I said that right. Um, he says, Has one of you gotten around to reading the later draft of Carrie Fukunaga's It, where he combines Stan and Richie into closeted Jew Richie Goldfarb, gave Bill a goldfish named Stanley, and Pennywise let young Al Marsh live so he could grow up to molest Bev every night? If so, what did you think of it? I did not we hear that. We received
2: any of this. this script a couple weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. And it is absolutely, it says revised on there. I have not read it yet. but I, So I, I read this and I thought, is this guy just making this up? So I kind of started skimming through it. That name is absolutely correct. It looks like they did combine characters, That's right. which is crazy to think about. That this is again the revised one. This is not the one that Dan no. and I read a couple months ago. That looks much more like what we are. So what I say. think is they did not like this revision and, and they kept went back. that first draft and then said goodbye and goodbye, Carrie, and then said hello, Andy.
1: Well, well, we well, I cannot to, wait
2: to read this script now yeah, because I'm dying to read it. To read that it. sounds
1: insane. Yeah. That sounds absolutely insane. But yeah, that's our answer. I mean, I it. honestly don't. I'm, I think it's interesting to see Al Marsh when he was young encountering Pennywise. I think that's kind of neat. I don't know yeah. if you'll even
2: see that. Maybe it'll just be like mentioned like I let, you, I let your daddy live because, you know, something disturbing like that. That's but weird. I weird. still want
0: to do uh, a reading of the script.
1: I think we'll get sued. I don't, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Elliot Metz asks, one of the ways Kings work widely varies is in its length. So which King uh, novel or story do you find most economical uh, does the most with the fewest words and which do you find the most bloated? Um, In terms of bloated, I would almost say the updated version of the stand.
0: Yeah. Um, That's easily the most bloated.
1: Yeah. And then uh, under the dome in a way too. I love under the dome, but I do think it really didn't need to be that long.
2: I've got, um, I think Desperation is, is is bloated. I know Randall likes it a lot but I think Love Desperation it. is bloated and I also think Insomnia is extremely bloated. You could I think that you can salvage those stories as opposed to some other stories you couldn't salvage. But I think
1: I'm excited to read Insomnia again cuz I loved it when I was young
2: and I I'd be my third time if we do it. I've read, yeah. I've actually read it twice. So. I've read it twice as
1: well. Yeah. How about yeah. Economical? Uh
2: Gunslinger. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. I yeah. think it's
2: not the best dark tower book but no. you're in and out in a couple a couple hundo so I think you could cut that also. I the, think the could, sling- I think you could cut down the the, the gunslinger. No, I'm I'm fine with the length of it. If it. I think if that book was any longer, that would be a problem. But yeah. I'm fine with the length of that and in the introduction. I think Carrie is a perfect length. Yeah, that's a good one too. Man. I agree yeah. with that.
1: I think Hearts in Atlantis, the story. Um, oh, wait, no, I'm thinking of Low Men in Yellow Coats. I think that's a story that does so much with so little. Mm-hmm. It's a really beautiful story that also has a supernatural element. And um, it's got an adventure quality, but it's also really sad. I love that collection. I cannot wait to yeah, get to that. It's really good. Yeah. Um, good one. So we have a few more questions here. We do. Uh, these are – I think I pulled these from
2: from Instagram. We, we I, I got to say, we're getting so many questions it's through great. Twitter. It's awesome. awesome. Just um, keep them coming. Keep we're, them trying to, we're trying to answer as many as we can. A lot we won't answer because we've answered similar questions in previous episodes. So don't be offended that we probably just answered your question a couple weeks ago. Um, there's a couple of fun ones here. Um, we don't have the actual name. I can't pronounce. Like C bon- Boniki, I think on Instagram asks, how excited are you that with the upcoming publication of Sleeping Beauties for the first time in three years we have King book to look forward to that does not involve Bill Hodges.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Randall Meyer. <I> <laughs> I'm, excited. I'm very, very happy. I'm very excited not have about Bill Hodges. That. Although we didn't have revival, didn't have. Wait, was Mister Revival before Mister Mercedes? Revi- you know, actually, I think maybe Revival was after Mister Mercedes. But the bottom line is, Finders
0: Keepers and yeah, um, and The Watch have been. No, I'm very up.
1: happy to be past Bill Hodges.
0: This is from Austin Ray Alderman. Uh, there haven't been that many Stephen King video game adaptations, from what I've seen, outside of homages like Alan Wake or questionable movie adaptations like The Lawnmower Man. What, Steve, what Stephen King's story would make the best video game? A long walk game, a like, style like Dear Esther? A point and click adventure, The Shining? Her story with Carrie? really digging the show <laughs> i had to put that last part in there but uh <laughs> we're we're quite vain yeah yeah we're 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 so vain um i mean i think a stand the stand would be kind of a cool game especially because yeah. if you look back at like um what was that game fable where you yeah. ch- you could ch- you become evil or good based on those things and like so is the knights of the old republic by the you know the star wars game i think if you did something like that for the stand it would be really cool and you could well, have it you could have a whole open world environment for that
1: yeah that would be cool Also, one of the things that a lot of the treatment that a lot of properties have been getting now... Is um, from Telltale Games. Do you guys know these? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, These are like, yeah, these are like where you choose dialogue options and it branches out and it tells different stories. And they've had versions of the Walking Dead, and so uh, and then, um, God, so many properties. They even have a Back to the Future one. They have a game. I watch. I played the Back to the Future one. They have a Game of Thrones one. They have a Batman one. And so uh, they're all. Everyone I've played has been at least solid. And so I think doing something within the Stand universe, like they did with Walking Dead, like telling a different story within that universe, um, I would love to. see that
2: i think i played donkey kong country 2 back in 96 97 and nfl blitz um, those are the last video games I played, so I, I have no like good <laughs> suggestions to make, and, and I have to recuse myself from this question. Yeah. Um,
1: I think that I think that it could be really maybe even a Pennywise game, like especially uh, peg to it. Just tell a different story, maybe a different time period of kids like trying to navigate Pennywise and Dairy. You know,
0: I think if you made a Castle Rock game, it would yeah. be interesting. Yeah, you know, you
1: work incorporate all the characters. You, like could be a, a, you could be Sheriff Bannerman. <laughs> hey, I love Sheriff Bannerman. And our last question, uh, Jimmy Martin asks, There are a few words, phrases, and topics that King uses frequently in his writing. I had never heard of Macadam or Sodium Lights before reading King, and I'm certain that he mentions the JFK assassination or Dallas Police in all of his novels. What others have you noticed? Um, I've noticed... the Cordwood.
0: His- Cordwood. Which I had to look up because I didn't really know what that was, and, and all you guys kept making it seem like this gross, like, kind of funny thing. I think but-
1: we, I think our whole thing was just we were always mimicking Stephen King's reading of that line in the Stan miniseries. Oh. Because he goes, Cordwood. Cordwood. So I think that's all we were doing. We didn't really have a negative opinion of
0: Cordwood. It is just weird how that's so, that's like really affected him. Like the visual of what Cordwood is. Like it's been
1: in a bunch of his books. It's like not that compelling. Oh, he always talks about guys Adam's apples bouncing like a monkey on a stick. Which I think is so weird. Yeah. He uses that in multiple books and stories. He uh, he loves. I mean, we know the breast thing. Um, oh well, yeah. Uh, Proud breast
0: is obviously nubs one. is
1: a phrase he loves to use. But no, like my apple movements is a big one. I feel like I don't know. I don't know people in life whose Adam's apples bounce up and down. No, like that, is that an old thing?
0: No, unless you're like really thin and,
1: and yeah, pronounced
0: on your neck. I
1: don't know. I, I, it's not a big thing. <laughs> it's very bizarre to me. No. And it used to kind of, the phrase it still kind of creeps me out a little bit. Yeah. Justin, do you have anything? Cordwood. Cordwood. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah. But I've definitely noticed his use of arc sodium lights. I, I like, I don't know what that is. Um, I imagine that's the stuff that's like on the highways, right? Yeah, I guess.
0: You know, like when you have the, I mean, maybe it was
1: a time thing or a regional thing, just something that, you know, just a detail that, you know, helps illustrate that community. Interesting stuff. But uh, that's all the questions. Thank you guys so much it's for short submitting episode. them. A yeah, short episode is fun. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think a short episode for us is a still a long episode for many people. Yeah, it is. It's like an hour and 40 minutes probably. This so, uh, so thank you guys so much for sending in the questions and um, engaging with us on Facebook. We love it. Uh, well, everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, all the things. Because we're so hip. Do we, do we have a Snapchat?
0: We don't have a Snapchat. We, we should get a Snapchat.
1: Oh, God. When no. You guys can
0: manage that. I have no I clue how to use it. <laughs> There's too much to manage already. Oh, my God. We're all
1: old. Like, we don't understand these I think, things. I
0: think three social networks is enough. We got yeah. Facebook, we got
1: Instagram, we got Twitter. The social network. Great movie. Cool. Great movie. I love that movie. Um, so, if you haven't left us a review on iTunes yet, um, that's really helpful. We'd love it if you could leave us a review and just say what you like about the show or just say that, you know. Uh, we need to shut up and wrap it up and episodes are three or four hours long. I can't even fit them on my iPod. Um, that was one review. Yeah. Our only one star. And I'm really mad about it.
0: You are eh, mad about I'm salty it. Salty
2: you know about it. Enjoy the eighty or so other ones that All have been right, positive. that will be fine. That's enough. No, I'm serious. I'm yeah, saying enjoy that's
1: the eighty true. that have been
0: positive. Don't yeah, worry yeah. about that one person. Stay positive. Great song by the Hold Study. Ooh. <laughs>
1: All right, thanks guys, thanks so much for listening guys. We appreciate it. We'll be back in a week with um, our episode on the dead zone, so stay tuned and in the meantime, long days and pleasant nights. Got some friends. I got some hot, friends. God, I got some hot f-